sports changes on a dime. Two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW was going to, and they were trying to sign it. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sandhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. The Aldermaine Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh God, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Man Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Boxing. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a lot so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. I have them this weekend. I'm just going to let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Viking jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. He didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just like the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful, 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 Steven Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RBD Tito for Life. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The Marksmen have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 57. 
And uh, today, uh, Stephen and I have a special guest tonight. Uh, Sid's joining us from True Hill Heat. I uh, appreciate you stopping in, Sid. And I guess I'll give you the first, uh, just how you doing tonight, man? I am doing great. I'm happy to be here. This is a long time coming. I've been For wanting sure. to come on here with you guys. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to be on this show so bad. I'm up at 3 a.m. here in the UK just to be on here with you oh, guys. Wow. <laughs> So, I really so, appreciate that. No, of course, of course. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I told Jensen, you know, anything he does, he asks me, I'm, I'm willing to come on. And Doug, I know I've seen your work and uh, seen you on here before. And you do, you guys are great together. So I'm glad and honored to be on here with you guys. So, yes, you have the new media forbidden door has been open on live rounds. Yes. Awesome. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you for joining SP3. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, SB3 is the Jimmy Brooks to my Spinner Mason. If you are a fan of Degrassi, that's how we always, uh, kind of talk about each other. Um, I came very close. I thought it might what, have been in, in, in wrestling terms. Like what would that mean? Uh, in wrestling terms, it would be like, uh, two cold Scorpio and Marcus Buff Bagwell as a tag team back in the day. Okay. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> Yeah, universal. yeah, or or in Mighty Ducks terms, I'm the Russ Tyler to his Charlie Conway. Yes, that's okay. a very that's a very yes. good comparison as well. Okay, um, you know, I, I I almost I thought it might have wound up being in a little bit not not poor taste, but just kind of might have been a little weird, especially if people didn't get the reference. But I almost for this show put together like a like I almost photoshopped your face onto um dd's head and my face onto harry's head from like my brother and me and i was like this would be pretty funny but then i was like i don't know if enough people would get this so like and then doug would be left out and i had to put his face on like alfie and that'd get real weird so like i didn't want to do that so yeah. but, <laughs> but doug doug would be more of a goo he would be more goo <laughs> for me oh man yes yes I you you would be no alfie i would be talking Dee Dee. about you, you watch my brother and me, though. You're you're in that demographic for that show, right? I don't remember my brother and me. I'm sorry, I'm I missed out. On Nickelodeon, one. oh, you so so that show is popular. It was it was only around for a short time, so I guess unless you watched it as it was coming out, pretty much you probably completely missed it. Um, yes, yes. saying goo, goo punch in the chat. I mean, that's the whole yeah. One plus one is always two. I'm the goo. It's I mean, the goo. Go. Yeah, yeah. So this is what winds up happening when we just be three do shows together. By the way, as Doug is finding out quickly. See, I'm I'm 39, just turned 39, so I I, I might have missed this this part right here. Yeah. You, you were in that Power Rangers and all that, and yes. I mean that's cool, but like it, I missed it just a little bit, just a little bit. So yeah, it's yeah. all good. I watched I watched old school WWF, and you were introduced to wrestling to WCW, and I missed yeah. WCW till like NWO, and then it was like, okay, here we go there. Yeah. So um, but, but we can bond over like mighty ducks like that was a, a big movie that 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 went kind of across both i P definitely P remember that P was the show P i watched i yeah. remember salute your shorts hey yep. dude um yes. there you this go like around there yeah definitely yeah, those ones. eventually the p and p arguably the best theme song like of any tv show oh, I don't say <laughs> you're living happily, happily range. Range. <laughs> you said you may 
But have you hit your target? Keenan and Kel, but it was all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The first, yep. like, one right, yeah, for well, sure. Well, that spawned, like, the Amanda show and, like... Yeah, yeah but, like, I... Show. You remember, like, you can't do that on television. Like, that mm -hmm. was, like, the first, like, real Nickelodeon-type show. And then Double Dare, Clarissa Explains It All. Like, that's more, yeah. like, what I grew up with. Yeah, shout-out Mark Summers. Shout-out uh, uh, Phil yeah, Moore. Nick, Ar Nick, Nick Arcade, Phil Moore. Summer, Summer Sanders. Summer Sanders, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, uh, Kirk Fogg from uh, Legend of the Temple. He used to swing down Dude. on the rope. Oh, good, um, good shout by Alexander with Cousin Skeeter. Cousin Skeeter was my jam yeah, as well. That, that was a good how mix about, of puppets and humans. How about Omar Gooding Jr.? Like, he was an amazing guest host on, on those shows. And like and then he was like in Baby Boy, and I was like, what the hell happened to this guy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in Baby Boy. I was right. shocked. And he was so like, him. thanks for coming tonight, guys! And just all happy, and then like... <laughs> true gangster with like <laughs> snoop dog and tyrese and i'm just like what happened it's like what happened to wild and crazy kids man exactly yeah well, wild, wild, wild crazy, and crazy kids. kids yeah oh man great this is great stuff by the way shout out paramount plus like that has a lot of this stuff on there like that yeah. and actually they need to fix their freaking app though on like it's so slow and laggy like at least on my xbox that's like the main reason i don't use it much but Dude, like all those new South Apple Park TV. stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a, there's no, no lag. Okay. I, I might need uh, to do something about that then because I get a lot of lag on the Xbox, like just picking shows and stuff. Like, but all those new South Park um, specials that have been coming out on Paramount Plus, the new Beavis and Butthead just came out on Paramount Plus. Um, and then, yeah, they have all the old like MTV shows, all the old Nickelodeon shows, pretty much anything that like Viacom, like, like MTV, VH1, all that stuff. Um, They're doing the like real world reunions from other right. seasons. That's pretty wild. Yeah, they just yeah. did New Orleans with uh, my, one of my all time favorite real worlders, David. Come on, be my baby tonight. <laughs> Yo, he, what's, he, what's he now though? What's he now though? Isn't he? Completely I think he has like his a, name. Yeah, he changed his name. I haven't watched the season because I don't watch the reunions. I really use uh, Paramount Plus for the challenge. I watch old school yeah. challenge seasons or the yeah. All Star seasons with all the old yep. guys. I I love those, but I haven't watched the real world season. But I I saw the commercial for it, and he has like a totally different name. It's like yeah. weird. And you then they're like all mad at like Julie. Like one word name or something. Uh, like I'm just okay. like star or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was like something bizarre, and I was like. Oh, okay. This is the one dude that's like in, in half baked, right? This is the guy we're talking about, the guy from half baked, that David. He was like, no, 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 no. You're thinking, you're thinking the David that spit in Puck's face. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He got kicked out yeah, like the yeah, first day of that yeah, challenge season. Yeah, yeah. That was David Edwards. That was reward two, and they okay. had a reunion show which was really good. By the way, okay. they really okay. went in depth between him and Tammy. But um, this David, he was the one that was like. He, when he sang, he was just like, you know, like really into it, covered in sweat, like just because I think he did the national anthem for like a some type of whether it was a basketball game or something. But I mean, he was really into it. But yeah, um, they they really go into like the old school reunions and stuff like that. I've enjoyed Paramount Plus. It's, it hasn't been bad at all. And my, my kids love Paw Patrol and all that other stuff. So like mm -hmm. it's 
constantly on Blaze TV. It's Blaze mm-hmm. the Monster my, Machine. Uh, my nephew, my so. nephew is really into Paw Patrol. I think he recently just got a little like too old for it. I think he's now getting into like Power Rangers and like that kind of stuff. But yeah. for a while there, everything was Paw Patrol for like a few years. I got to pull this chat up, by the way. Shout out to Mark Wiener from Wienerville. That show, do you remember that show, Doug? Do you remember that one, Wienerville? I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't. I know you're. I know you don't do drugs, and I'm not. I'm nope. not telling people to do drugs. I'm not like advising yep. anything. But straight like, edge, sir. Yes, but like if you want to feel like you're having an acid trip without taking drugs, watch Wienerville right now because that's like the. I don't. There was it was people's heads on like puppets. And like they they would like throw pies in each other's faces. It was the it was the weirdest, most bizarre. Like that show just like wouldn't come out nowadays. Like people would see like too far into it and be like, "This is clearly like trying to get kids to try drugs." I'm pretty sure. Like there was a lot of that stuff going on Nickelodeon with like Rocco's Modern Life, subliminal messages, and like Ren and Stimpy. Kablam! You had Kablam! Yeah, there was a lot of dude. There was a lot of those kind of references in um, Action League now, like with like the Flash being naked, all those jokes and stuff. Meltman with the power to melt. melt. Let's go, dude! Great stuff. Henry and June for the Kablam hosts. I remember them too. Raging oh, J. Yeah. Well, I, I've been around for a while. Basically, ever since the pandemic started, me and Steven right went and decided to do this every week. So thanks for stopping in. I appreciate it, man. This is I'm I'm Bill. I uh, changed my name yes. and I look a little different. Yeah. Now, so you, um, that's you my, identify that's my as Bill. That's my guy, drunk guy, drunk guy JJ from the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. So oh, thank okay. you for for joining over here. Yes, yeah, I remember, I remember I doing uh, doing a show with y'all. I'll, I'll be on. Is it this Saturday? I'm going on with you guys. Yes, time? this Saturday on True Hill Heat, eleven oh five a.m. Eastern time. I will be there. I will absolutely be there. Um, wow. Thanks for everyone joining us tonight. You know, anyone who's in here who's new, you know, feel free to. Uh, oh, you haven't subscribed since high school. Yeah, Doug's OG man. He's this is. Bill and Doug were like the original, I mean, the original YouTubers talking about wrestling. I mean, in, like when the site came out, which is so crazy that I've been on this, me and Doug have been doing a show together for you know years now. And I guess, I guess multiple years now, really. I mean, yeah. which is kind of crazy. But we met uh, a couple of years before that for, through both being wrestling fans on Twitter and, yep. uh, and also MMA fans. And we would talk about yep. fights and stuff. And I was like, dude, like I watched all your videos. Like I like watch. I would be sitting in my college dorm room, like away from all my friends, like watching you guys. And like I would always check for the new video. It's just crazy how things happen. And just like small world, wind up meeting people, becoming friends with people. Um, and yeah, and, and anyone who's in here, if you're new, we we really appreciate the subscriptions. You know, if you, if y'all hit that subscribe button, it's completely free. Um, we're always keeping an eye on the chat. We love y'all being interactive and, and getting in with the, you know, the subjects and the topics that we're talking about. If you want to send a super chat, you can do that right through YouTube. If you want to send a donation, you can do it in the link below. Um, either way, we'll make sure to answer your question, read your statements, all that stuff. And that's the way to guarantee that you uh, your question, the same as wind up getting aired on the show and answered and all that stuff. Um, but we appreciate y'all being here either, either way. So, uh, so say you hit the like button too. We that the stupid YouTube algorithm. We don't. We need all the help we can get with that thing. The 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 thumbs yep. ups, the subscriptions, the the comments. Um, y'all are a part of the show. Um, the main reason me and Doug do this show. We're not here making money on the show. Um, the costs alone of like Streamyard and then for me to upload on Podomatic and all stuff. We're we're pretty much breaking even just doing the show for y'all every week. 
Um, so y'all are a part of it. And the main reason we do it is because y'all enjoy it. And we like talking to each other once a week. It's a good way for me and Doug to catch up each week. It's a good way to bring buddies of ours, like SP three on the show. So I just want y'all to know, like we do this show for you guys and we're always keeping an eye on what you guys are saying. We read all the comments after the show and everything. Um, but if you want to guarantee that it gets on the show, we just have to go with the super chats. Cause we've gotten, so we've got enough viewers at this point where like, we just can't read everything. It just, it just goes too fast and the topics change too fast. So, um, and, and we'll always get to them. If you, if you send us something early, even if we don't get it to it right away, we will address every single one before the end of the show. We, uh, we guarantee that we're, we're going to talk pro wrestling today. We're going to talk Logan Paul. We're going to talk WWE money, in the bank. We're going to talk AEW. We'll probably talk some random indie stuff. And at the end of the show, uh, SP3 is going to bounce out towards the end, and me and Doug are going to talk about UFC uh, 276 and, and some of the big stuff coming out of that. So we got a stack show for you all tonight. Yeah, for sure. And we got a super chat from DJ Eric. He just wanted to say that SP3 is an effing god. So <laughs> got a big yeah. fan there, I guess. I appreciate you coming to the channel. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, I don't even know where you guys want to start. Uh, so – me and Steven, big time AEW. I'm not really sure exactly where you're at SB3 on like what your favorite is and, and all that stuff. So are you more of an AEW guy, a WWE guy? You just like it all? Where are you at on that? Um, I always say this and I don't, it's not me just bragging. I literally have to get paid to watch WWE. I was okay, just, okay, I was yeah. literally, um, yeah. I was watching NXT because I have to do a show for Russell talk tomorrow. So I usually do that show writing notes. I watch SmackDown because I do a show for sports Kita. So yeah, if it wasn't for me getting paid and then my podcast, like Steven said at the beginning on Saturday, I wouldn't watch raw if it wasn't for that either. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I've been you know with AEW. I was I'm an OG when it comes to like AEW and the Elite. I was watching the old school being the Elite. I saw all yep. the build up from like episode one to All In. I was there live at All In in 2018 in Chicago. So I've seen everything with AEW. So you know AEW is probably my favorite right now. But my favorites always change. Before AEW it was New Japan. Before New Japan yeah. it was Ring of honor but yeah it's it, wwe i yeah I, my my love for it is not the same as it was when i was a kid to say the least now i i, yeah, I gotta sure. i gotta make sure did you watch money in the bank sp3 yes because okay. I, I like i said i do I do a podcast so i have to watch that <laughs> all right doug it worked then he watched the show so i'm gonna probably just kind of tune out for a minute sp3 can you just review money in the bank real quick for the next like 10 yeah. minutes because me and doug have no idea what really to say about the oh, show oh, I mean, oh, uh, we know the we know the news of what happened like the big stuff but like that the, yeah. if you want to go like match by match rating yeah. and all that i could i couldn't tell you no, like, so, i could lie to you i'm gonna be like yeah it was three stars three and a quarter whatever well so there, were, so there there was a ufc pay-per-view on at the same time as this so like yeah. i was just trying to go back and forth and i've got a pretty good grasp of what happened i'm, I'm obviously joking we are going to have a conversation about money in the bank but it is one of those things where like I, I I legitimately have no idea what the the um I guess uh kind of discourse on like Twitter and stuff was like how people felt about the show because I just don't care enough to like go out of my way to 
my timeline is very much like very few WWE things anymore. Like I didn't, it really doesn't even come across my radar much anymore, which is really great. So I don't know if people love this show or hated this show. As I was watching it, I was like, people are probably hating this show. So because between like the women's ladder match was ass. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it what it is. That match sucked. I, I saw almost all of that because I was during like a lull period and what was happening in WWE. That match was awful. I, I heard Shotzi like really got banged up in that match. Like she she like got her head slammed in a ladder and she was like mm-hmm. bleeding and whatever. Like, I don't know, but I heard that's what I heard. No, listen, they all they go hard. Like, you know, it's it, they're out there trying. It's just just botches and just just doesn't look right. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. And this might, I don't mean for this to come off as sexist, but I think this is like actually a pretty interesting topic to kind of start off with money in the bank. Cause the opening match was the ladder match. Um, honestly, like I'm kind of for, once again, this is going to sound sexist to certain people. I just, I you just got to understand where I'm coming from. Just, just let it go, Steven. I really, I really think when for women's wrestling, similar to like women's basketball, they're at a disadvantage because of the size of the ring and the equipment sometimes where like the women, I honestly feel like the ropes should, there should be like a, a contraption where the ropes just get like a little bit lower and maybe the ladders aren't as big because a lot of those women had trouble literally picking the ladders up to even just put them into position. And when it comes to like Royal Rumbles and stuff, it doesn't look the same because a lot of the time the women, because they're shorter generally, they'll have to get these like running starts to like even get over the top rope. Whereas like with the men, they just kind of think it's like, you know, get over the top rope with no problem because they're all a lot. Most of them, aside from a few, most of them are going to be like well over the rope. So it's just one of those things where like, in, in women's basketball, like they use a smaller ball because, like, it's it makes more sense proportionally for like their body types and, and the, the the kind of athlete, you know. So it's like I just want to throw that out there because I honestly think if like if like the if the in a Money in the Bank match, I know aesthetically it looks a little weird, and also we're in a time where we want everything to be equal. We want we want like representation, and we want to see you know we there the lines being blurred more and more as far as like women's sports men's sports who should compete against who and all this stuff and at the end of the day people all want to be treated the same but at the same time i feel like a match like this comes across a lot better if maybe the the briefcase is a little bit closer to the ring and they're maybe using smaller ladders or at least ladders that aren't as heavy because i it's 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 just so noticeable to me when like someone can't even pick the ladder up to set it up and it's like Okay, and we're expecting them to do all the same moves the men are doing, but like they're doing it almost in slow motion because they're trying not to like fall over the the ladders and stuff. So, anyway, do y'all think that that's like crazy, or I'm being a dick by saying that, or like, do you think that's like reasonable, or because I think it's really apparent in Royal Rumbles and Battle Royals, I think it's really apparent how hard it is for them to get over the top rope sometimes. And I feel like there's an easy way to fix that, and it would just be by lowering the ropes a little bit. So. Um, I think coming off of this woman's ladder match, you may have a, a point because there was a very noticeable like point where, yeah, they couldn't like lift the ladder and position it well. Um, I, I'm not, and that's not to say that I haven't seen really great money in the bank women's, you know, ladder matches like 2018. I thought that was a really good one. 2019 when Bailey won, that was really good. 
Um, it's just, and even last year's one, it wasn't the the best of the bunch, but it was the least entertaining. I didn't like the winner being Nikki Ash, but that was still entertaining. It was this one where really it was. I think it was a combination of not even you know the women not being big enough or needing smaller ladders or needing it down. It's they didn't have the best workers in this matchup. You That's have a good point. Raquel, That's a very valid point as well. You, you, you have Raquel Rodriguez, who just graduated after eight years in the Performance Center. She just graduated to the main roster. You had Lacey Evans, who's just coming off of an injury, and this is like, what, her fourth yeah. match back. You have, you know, Liv Morgan, who is probably the most improved, but she's not like had a whole litany of great matches. Really, the glue of this whole matchup was Alexa Bliss, who's also coming back from injury, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. And most of the good spots and good moments consisted of Becky Lynch and Asuka. The, the, uh, the, you know, the lay drop off the ladder onto Asuka on the ladder bridge where she bounced off, that was really good. The finishing sequence with Becky kind of pushing everybody off the ladders and then climbing up and then Liv doing the little John Morrison against Sheamus spot where she bounced off the top rope when they pushed the ladder and then she came back and pushed Becky off. And I like Liv Morgan winning the match because I doubted that completely. And I literally had people like hit me up like, oh, my God, WWE's making you look foolish for doubting. Mm-hmm. Morgan. And I made this analogy in some place, and I'm going to make this analogy here. Basically, my me doubting Liv Morgan was like a girlfriend who gets cheated on constantly by her man. And then one night, her man goes to a strip club and doesn't cheat. It doesn't make me look like a fool for doubting him. It was just one night he was good. He's going to cheat again. So basically right. what I'm saying is that WWE is going to shit the bed on Liv Morgan once again. It was one good night at Money in the Bank. People need to stop glorifying this. Like, oh my God, WWE has seen so much in Liv Morgan now. I'm not going to hold my breath because I've seen this before. And literally WWE has told the same story with the woman's Money in the Bank briefcase for five straight years as soon as she wanted i was just like please wwe have patience this could be good you could tell an interesting story with this and then we saw what happened an hour and a half later they just told the same goddamn story (laughs) well doug i do you have any do you have any thoughts on the what i was saying about like the the ropes and the ladders and then on top of that i know you weren't a fan of because it ties in we might as well go into that also uh, Ronda yeah. Rousey losing to live. I know you weren't a fan of the way that was done. Go ahead and explain no. that. Cause I, cause I agree with you about this as well. Yeah. So I would say this, I think you have valid points, but I don't think that the WWE would get away with it without some major backlash. If they decided to lower ropes for them, give them lighter uh, ladders, you know, because at the end of the day, most people are, they want equality and if they're going to see something that they're treated less than then that's going to upset them um i also think it's important like said who's in the match if they can't really you know carry the ladder you need to get some strong women in there that can at least get the ladders out and then you know setting it up's a little bit different or whatever um you know they miss nia jacks i guess whatever uh but i i will say that that and it's funny too because Omos, they used him a lot in just those ways, just like get the ladder and stuff like that. So it's like 
they tried to make up for their mistake when they didn't even need to with that. So, cause anybody can get the ladder there. So yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think you're, you're right about just the workers in general. I think that a lot of them are sloppy. A lot of them are kind of green. It, it just didn't work well. And like this match could really use someone like a Bianca, someone with some flash, someone with some strength, someone that really like is a show stealer. And uh, they didn't have that. And so when Liv won, to me, it felt it feels like a constellation prize. It's like, hey, you've been working hard, kid. Here's your here's your title that we didn't even it sounds like reports wise, they didn't even want to give it to her. And Rhonda went to bat for her so she could get it. And the way the whole thing was handled, like anybody that has followed Ronda Rousey in MMA, even in pro wrestling, when has she ever like hugged and congratulated the person that took the cheap way out? Like Ronda can barely walk. The girl's jumping up and down, cashing in the money in the bank. She takes advantage of an injured Ronda Rousey. And then Ronda greets her with like an emotional hug. Like it, it just came across really bad. And I even had somebody on Twitter tell me like, well, we need more of this in the world. I mean, come on. Like this is <laughs> pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like this isn't activism or whatever you want to say. Like I just thought it came across really cheesy and it well, was and, like. But I'm saying also Rhonda, every time she's ever lost in her life, she disappears for like a year and won't talk to anybody. Right. Like, she hates she's devastated. Yeah. She's not like, oh, honey, we did it. You know, like, what is that? Like it was. It was almost kind of like a, a Sasha Bianca moment at WrestleMania that had real meaning, real substance. And this is just kind of like, hey, I think you've been working really hard. I did this for you. Give me a hug. And then, like, by the way, we're going to feud again afterwards. Like, it's just it came across really, really bad, in my opinion. Yeah. Any any additional thoughts on uh, Liv beating Ronda SP3? Um, yeah, I totally agree with, with Doug, where I was just like dumbfounded because I thought the whole hug was to lead to Rhonda turning on her because I was like, <laughs> this is the moment. This is the moment. Rhonda, two things Rhonda hates, losing and the fans turning on her. And that's what yeah. they did in this moment. They cheered for someone who basically cheated to get the title. Like Liv had her, you know, big moment. She said she said the backstage interview where she was like, oh, WrestleMania sounds like a good idea, but I'm just going to enjoy the moment. And then she comes out, comes out an hour after saying that and, you know, basically takes advantage of Ronda. This was the perfect moment to use all that fan, you know, pop and cheer and you know, all the fans behind her in Las Vegas for Liv to turn Ronda heel and make her an interesting character again. This woman has gone on record in interviews just this past week saying that she didn't want to come back as a babyface, that the whole idea in her head was that she was coming back as the heel character that she literally just started at the end of her first run. She wanted to come back as the heel then, but because it's WWE, all you have to do is be gone for a month and then come back 
like and the fans will cheer you like hey we missed you it doesn't matter what you did before that's just how wwe works you gone for a month you come back they're gonna cheer you and that's what they did with ronda and vince was like well you gotta be a baby face now you can't you can't go out there and be you you gotta go out there and smile smile for the fans because you're a baby face now she didn't want the title she didn't want to be baby face so i believe the reports just like doug said i think this is ronda's call to put it on on Liv morgan because another thing that i know about wwe is they don't come up with good ideas usually their good ideas is because of the performers and this was a good idea so i think it's ronda not wwe yeah yeah and it's also like makes it's so mind-blowing every now and then they make like such a weird 180 kind of a decision on someone's return when like I'll never forget Seth Rollins coming back from injury and being like, he's going to be the biggest baby face in the company. And they like kept him a heel. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like what, what everyone's cheering and, this guy. And it literally took them a year and a half to get him back to that, yeah. to that peak of him being a baby face again. They literally had, they literally had to do a whole remodeling because they didn't have the, the common sense to make him a baby face on his return. And that's why I think with Bailey, she's coming back as a heel because they don't get it. They don't get that these guys can be massive baby faces when they come back and Bailey can, but they will make her a heel. I, I'm almost sure of it. They yep. had to redesign, rebuild, reclaim the whole thing with Seth Rollins. And then, yeah, Doug, I mean, that's another, I mean, Triple H was a heel when he went out, came back, you know, almost a year later. Biggest pop maybe ever in a building was his return, even though he was a heel when he left. And it's like, okay, let's go with the babyface run. Like, people are cheering. Also, so. just in general, like, to think back, has there ever been a Money in the Bank cash-in where the loser congratulates the winner? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. No, like, because it's, it's especially it's the cheap. way that it's yeah. done because yeah. it's cheap. It's <laughs> yeah. cheap. It's basically cheating. You don't give that person a hug. And like I've told Steven this before, but like Ron is a bitch. And the real <laughs> life, like Ron is a cruel, mean bitch. And she wants to be a heel. She is the best at being a heel because that's who she is times 10. Like, that's what she wants to be. Rhonda's a face with a Roddy Piper jacket. And, like, like nobody believes that. Especially if you go and watch The Ultimate Fighter with her and Misha Tate, that is the real Ronda Rousey. And so, like, the idea that she's just, like, you know, I'm so happy for you. You made it. And not only that, she is going to turn on her. That's what makes <laughs> this thing just stupid. It was like, oh, I congratulated you one night, but I changed my mind because you you cheated and you took my title and whatever. Like, I I lured you in or whatever they're going to do. But, like, I promise you, SummerSlam is going to be Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. And knowing Vince, Ronda's going to win. Oh, Ronda's absolutely winning. Or, or can actual so, like, match. All this yeah. is just trash. For what? Yeah. Um, Doug, it's because there can only be Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes and charlotte flair like everyone else is just well i'm i mean cody's the biggest star in the whole company let's be real yeah, but I, I mean he's the main reason i was watching it again like oh by the way sp3 i've been meaning to tell you i was going to buy you something for your birthday a while ago and then i know you were you were leaving and i i was going to get you something i'm kind of glad i didn't because i found out you have it i was going to troll you and get you the cody road shirt off wb shop and i saw you have it already 
Yes, my wife. My wife trolled me and got that for my birthday. She because SP three is a Cody hater. I think he really deep down loves Cody. Well, it's it's one specific thing that happened a while back that SP three completely antagonized, but he doesn't admit to, and Cody retaliated. And <laughs> Cody, I've always been a fan of Cody until until it was March of two thousand seventeen. Oh, we got I, a date. This yes, I, I I still remember this. I still I will never let this go. It was I believe it was the anniversary show for Ring of Honor in Hammerstein Ballroom. He was in a six man tag with the Bullet Club. Hangman Page was on his team because Hangman Page gave me a two sweet. Every member of the Bullet Club, I was in the front row. They were giving me two sweets, and then Cody after his match, after they win, I give him I put up the two sweet for him. He gave two sweets to other people in the front row. The only difference between me and those other people, they were less tan than me. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. And I put up the two sweet for him, and he did like this, and then flipped me off. And ever oh. since then, I held a grudge against him. I, I booed him out the building as Supercard of Honor when he faced uh, Kenny Omega in 2018. I booed him out the building of every, every show I went to for Ring of Honor, for New Japan. It did not matter. You can literally see me at the G1 special when he versed uh, Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. I was like, F you, Cody. And he turned around and was about to do something until Kenny grabbed him and put him back into the ring. So, and it wasn't until all in, all in, I forgave him. I was like, you know what? You gave us this special moment, the special event. I forgave you. I even told him, I was like, I booed you out the building and every, every place I went, I even booed him at all in when everybody was on his side and everybody was against Nick Aldis. I was cheering for Nick Aldis. I was when he put it, when Nick Aldis put him in the Texas Cloverleaf, I was like, that's the same Texas Cloverleaf that beat Sting. It's going to beat Cody. I was the only one that sat down when everybody was cheering when he won the nwa world championship but i forgave him after that show and then he had to decide that he wanted to save racism and solve racism and that's when the grudge you brought it out of me jensen during that round table you brought out all my all my my bottled up resentment towards Cody you brought it up in that round table and I had to let everybody know Mike grudge against him but since he's been back in WWE I've been happy for him I was even happy for him at Hell in a Cell you know he fought through injury and he finally got his witch he had black skin for one night only and it was awesome it was awesome it was awesome and he had one of his greatest performances ever so I'm happy for Cody now in WWE, and you guys are right. He's one of the only reasons to watch WWE when he was around. Yeah, yeah. Facts. Wow, Facts. that's serious. Yeah. I'll say this: like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cody, but uh, his taste in in movies and all that very very off. His favorite Star Wars movie is Last Jedi, which is probably the worst. He's a big fan of Picard and Star Trek, which is awful. He also liked the new Masters of the Universe on Netflix, which is terrible. So, I mean, he's he's definitely off on that end. But when it comes to his pro wrestling, I definitely give him his credit. Um, and I I think Cody was a phenomenal heel back then. So I, I can't hate on what he did because when the Bullet Club was fine and he was the leader of all that, like, man, he was, he was on a different level. He, I remember when we went to uh, Supercard of Honor with Cody and Kenny, and 
you know, I, I was there and he had this long line and it's, it was for meet and greets, but it's like, it's, it's misguiding because the long line is because he just won't stop talking to you. Like he's not an in and out type of guy. He'll talk to you for a while. So it kept going. And I was thinking, man, like there's no way this guy's going to get the heat that he needs because he's like literally talking to every person in here and they're all like getting this personal relationship, taking pictures with them and everything. And I mean, dude, he shows up with Bernard the Bear and Brandy, and he's got a uh, he's got an eye patch on, and the whole place is just chanting "F you, Cody, F you, Cody." And that was, I was me. Just like, that was me that started that chant at that event. He's like, my my friend Romeo is in the is in the chat. He was next to me as I booed Cody out the building in New Orleans. Yes, nice. I was next to uh, some guy who was talking to his fat girlfriend about getting her a po' boy and talking about Brian Cage is the greatest wrestler of all time. And I was just like, dude, you know, sometimes when you end up with the, the like live wrestling crowd, it's funny too. Like <laughs> they hated everybody, but Brian Cage and Tanahashi, that's like the only people they liked. And it's like, first of all, Brian Cage isn't even in this show. And it literally like every match he was like, yeah, babe, Brian Cage totally went in this match. And I'm just like, I traveled all the or way Ann, down Or Ann thinks it's like, real on top away. of it. Like, thinks he would really be winning these matches. Yeah. And then yeah. all she's doing is like, baby, I want a po' boy. And he's like, baby, I'm going to get you a po' boy. You know? And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, I could. You, you, you can't pick who you get to sit next to in these things. You yeah. know what I mean? And it yeah. was definitely, definitely memorable. Um, That's great. But, but. But yeah, like I give Cody all the credit for for what he's done, and and the one thing that I think that has just been amazing about Cody going to the WWE is like he just comes across as so real compared to what the others are. They seem so manufactured and robotic, and it was like the AEW American Nightmare Cody has just stepped into the WWE universe, but he hasn't changed. He's the same guy and everybody else is still their same corporate robot self. And that's why I think he shot up through the moon. Like who's staying after and, and doing selfies with fans and, and signing autographs and all that stuff with that big of a name, like everybody else is packing it up or looking for WWE security to get the fans away from him, And he's embracing all of it. You know what I mean? So I give Cody a lot of credit for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, y'all know my thoughts on Cody, best professional wrestler of all time. Um, as far as the uh... <laughs> so let's go into listen, the men's money in the no, bank. Listen, listen, I... listen, listen. I'll say, I'll say, he's my, he's my yeah. favorite, he's my personal favorite wrestler of all time at this point. I think he's barely surpassed Chris Jericho for me. And when Cody wins the WWE Championship, I, I'll, I can officially be like. Okay, he did it. This is like my proudest moment as a wrestling fan. Like this is my my peak of watching for over 30 years. Like he did it. Like happy about this and he'll probably surpass I best wrestler of all time. Obviously, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit everybody. I mean, you know. I, I y'all know I'm such a mark for Cody that I'm just going to say stuff like that. As far as money in the bank, I'm going to jump around a little bit more here in a second. I, I want to talk about Lashley versus Theory and then also parlay that right into uh the money in the bank ladder match because that's really more of the chunk of the stuff that i even have knowledge of that happened on the show and then we can kind of fill in the the gaps for a couple other things before we uh, we move on so bobby lashley beats theory by submission with his uh i think he calls it the hurt lock the full nelson um and for one it was like okay this makes sense because like it's lashley and he doesn't lose very often and like 
like they've protected him pretty well outside of a guy like Roman. He's probably beating like everybody pretty much right now. Like in Omos, of course, you know, the occasional Omos loss is just going to happen, but he beats theory. And the way he beats him is like very definitive. Like he just straight up beats him by submission. Like there's no like shenanigans. I mean, he just beats the guy. And then later in the night theory wins the money in the bank ladder match kind of, which is something that happens so often in the WWE where you lose the mid card title and then are next in the world title picture. It's like you just lost and now you're number one contender for the better title. Like, I don't understand how that works out. So uh, SP three, let's start with you. How did you feel about Lashley winning this match? Cause on one hand it's surprising because of like, you know, they have such big plans for theory but then by the end of the show, you're like, oh, they took the U.S. title off him so that he could just have the, the briefcase, which is that the briefcase is more important than the U.S. title at this point in, in WWE. I mean, it just is. So, uh, yeah, how did you feel about all that with, like, Lashley winning and then also with Theory? And we can talk a little bit more about the latter match, too. Um, well, I like the match with uh, Lashley and Theory. I thought they worked well with each other. I wasn't surprised that Bobby Lashley won. I was surprised how he won because I figured he was going to win because they're protecting him. But I thought he would win by like count out or disqualification. Like Theory is the cowardly heel. He can easily run away like he's been doing on television with Lashley or do a low blow, hit him with the title to get the disqualification and retain the title but you still make Lashley look strong in the end. I thought that was the route they would go. But, you know, putting the U.S. title on Lashley, it does also make sense if he's not going to go directly into a feud with Roman Reigns. You want to make him look strong and make him look elevated. So putting the U.S. title back on him is a way to do that. But, yeah, it was kind of just groan-inducing. And I, I'm actually a fan of Theory. Theory was actually the first wrestler that I ever interviewed in person. Back in still? Yeah, yeah. When he was in Evolve, I interviewed him at a Battle Club Pro show here in New York. And, you know, I got to talk to him and, you know, find out what was his aspirations, his aspirations about being a WWE superstar and facing John Cena. That was like he always... Even back then, he said that that's his dream match that he always wanted to accomplish. So I'm glad that it looks like maybe eventually, maybe like WrestleMania next year, we might get that matchup. But I'm happy for him at this stage of his career that he's so far up the ladder in WWE, but it feels like too soon. And to me, Vince has this all wrong by seeing Theory as the next John Cena because this guy has 2003 Randy Orton written all over him. He just comes off like a heel. He comes off swarmy. He has that pretty boy look that Randy had in 2003, but 2003 Randy Orton wasn't where 2004 Randy Orton was away. He was one year away, and that's what I feel with Theory. It feels like too soon because he, oh, he feels like he's one year away almost entirely based on how he's been presented. He's basically been presented as a muscle-bound version of Tyler Breeze with these selfies. And when he did that segment with John Cena on Raw, he felt like such a step down for Cena. He felt so beneath Cena. So you needed time to kind of rebuild him and make him into a main event character outside of this whole selfie thing. So him winning the Money in the Bank just felt very too soon. But it was a great match. I'm 
they, and you know they put money in the bank on two young people and we always are asking for wwe to make two s- new stars and they put it on two 20 year olds so that's something so i can see the good and i can see the bad from theory winning money in the bank without getting into the match yet yeah so i have some thoughts on theory um so i do think that they view him as like the next cena but here's the issue is i think theory if you're gonna do that he needs to be a baby face and if the thing with Cena was is he got over as a heel to the point to where he got cheered to be a babyface. So it just was a natural movement. If Theory is going to stay heel, he cannot be that type of guy that they're talking about. And I don't think he's necessarily that over. It's going to be if he's going to get heel heat, he's going to get go away heel heat if he gets near that title. That's the problem. So it's like, what do you want to do with him? Me personally, I think he's everything that WWE wants. I think if you're a WWE fan and you're upset about Austin Theory being uh, the chosen one or whatever, like this is what they do. I don't know why you're that upset about it. And there is an alternative that you can watch if that's the it's case. Like 100 like, alternatives. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you're into like mainstream wrestling, you want to watch yeah. it weekly on TV, you have options, right? Sure. So I. I'm not understanding. To me, Theory wants to be John Cena. Like, you, if you go back and you look at some of his stuff, like he he wore the jorts and he's like definitely, uh, you know, had that same type of look. He's muscular, like, and I think that the kids would get behind Theory if he became a natural babyface. If all of a sudden, like, Vince gives him an order and he doesn't do it and does his own thing, you change his music. I hate his name, like. John Cena would just sounded like the guy next door that you could believe in. Theory sounds like almost like a, a damn superhero type. Like it, it just doesn't, I don't think you're ever going to have kids being like theory, theory, like you're going to have to almost repackage him. So if you're, if you want to go that route of the Randy Orton, then he's got to stay healed. But I just don't know how he gets to that level with the way that they're pushing. Another thing, if you win the money in the bank, in Cody's trailer, he said you're going to WrestleMania before they had to like switch to the MGM Grand. He said that if you're winning the money in the bank, you're you're main eventing WrestleMania. So if Theory isn't, the whole point of the money in the bank is to do a, get a title shot. Well, John Cena is not going to be the champ, or is he? Who knows? But like that would make the only logical sense is Cena would somehow become champion and then theory would challenge him with the money in the bank. But I don't, I don't think they want to go that route, but I I have no idea. Yeah. And we also, like, I don't, I don't know when Cody's coming back. I'm assuming probably like the Royal Rumble or something like that, but I feel like they're going to have to do Cena and Cody at some point also. Like we got to get Cody and Cena, Cody and, and Roman, those kind of matches to Cody and theory. I know that they, I think they did a couple of matches like on raw or something, didn't they? Um, but you know, that's, they'll have more matches in the future. The thing, the thing with theory to me is like, I, I could tell even back when he was just getting started, I was like, when, and not even if I was like, when he goes to the WWE, he'll be one of their top guys. Like he, he's young. I think the first time I saw him, he was like 18 um and he's from georgia as well like the atlanta area and i just remember like kind of hearing about him and then he wound up and evolved like super fast and i remember 
like Gabe Sapolsky basically crowned him as his like his like star future star basically of like he was like the champion super young and it was like okay well eventually he will get to the WWE and then so I I'm not surprised by um it's happening fast but in this I, I guess I should say I'm not surprised but at the same time the WWE has such a hard time building stars that it's like I don't want to be upset about them trying to build a star either like if if they're going to try to push this guy it's good to see them trying to push someone new like I'm 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 for that idea um but it also depends on how they do it and I don't think it's great when like you're losing right before you win a big match but at the same time like when it's to Lashley that helps a lot because like Lashley's high status with them too so I I, I I overall I personally like the idea of Fury winning money in the bank and I like the idea of them pushing him and him being a top guy I think their goal is eventually to make him kind of like their their Cena because he is so young that if he stays healthy and with the way he looks and everything, I could just, I mean, it's a very Cena-esque built guy, like the kind of the same kind of haircut, the the kind of clean cut American American guy type look, you know, that that they that they want kind of for the face of their company. Um, the sad thing is they've had so many opportunities with other people that like, I know Big E's hurt, but like they had a real chance with him with all the stuff he was doing outside of wrestling. Like, I mean, he, they could have, he could have been a much bigger star and who knows if he'll ever wrestle again. And I mean, they just dropped the ball on so many people, but they seem pretty committed to theory. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Now, once again, I'm only going to watch the show once a month on pay-per-view, but the next time I watch the WWE product, we'll see where theory's at. Also the ladder match itself. Um, Madcap Moss will be a WWE champion one day. That guy, for a lot of the same reasons, that dude has a look. He's athletic. You can tell, like, that guy's going to be money, in my opinion. I, I like Madcap Moss a lot. Um, Omos looks like a fish out of water in this match, although it was cool to see everybody pick him up for that one announceable spot. Like, that was kind of cool. Um, and, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this match, to be completely honest, but... You know, there was a lot of talent in it. I mean, Drew McIntyre is 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 great. Riddle, I think, has been great. I thought I thought Riddle's match with with Roman recently was really really good. Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins and Sheamus are just you know they're reliable. You know you're going to get you know. So it's like they had a lot of good people in this match. Uh, was the match itself good? SP three because I only got to catch bits and pieces of it. Oh yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I think Riddle was the star and it felt like this was his moment to kind of break that glass ceiling and become a main event star. And they really could have told an interesting story with him winning money in the bank for Randy Orton, you know, because everybody knows the real plan for SummerSlam was supposed to be Roman and Orton. So you could have told that story with Riddle winning the title after, you know, the stipulation for him and Roman's great match on SmackDown was that he would never get another shot if he lost. So he wins money in the bank to kind of, you know, one up that stipulation. It could have been great. And he, you know, the floating bro off the ladder was great. The the RKO on Seth off the, the very high ladder was like the spot of the night. So yeah, Riddle was kind of the star of this matchup. Um, you know, Sheamus and Drew, they told an interesting story with their never ending, just beat the hell out of my best friend storyline that they have. Uh, that was a great part of the match um for someone who was like 
very much the kind of the lead heel going into the match. I think Seth Rollins didn't really stand out in this match other than taking yeah. that RKO from from Riddle. Like even someone like Sami Zayn kind of playing the snake and sneaking in to get to try to get the ladder. And he had a more interesting I, I wanted to, uh, me going into the match. I wanted Sammy to win because I thought that it would be a cool storyline for him to try to win money in the bank and wait the whole year to kind of squash it to prove himself to the bloodline i thought that would have been very very cool of a storyline a lot of fans going in and i know the betting odds had seth rollins as the favorite but i was telling everybody you're you're thinking to yourself oh man it was so great the first time seth won money in the bank just have him win it again and do the same thing wwe does not do great things twice it's always a law of diminishing returns. So don't ask for the same thing twice. And it was very idiotic to me that the same fans complaining about Roman and Brock again, or the same fans who were saying, oh, I want Seth to win money in the bank again. If you're complaining about one thing that's happened again, why are you asking for something else that's happened again? It's like, stop, stop, just please stop. So I wanted somebody new to win. So I was either for Riddle and I was either for Sammy. And as soon as they announced theory in the matchup i kind of assumed he was gonna win and i felt bad for omos because they kind of centered a lot of the first half of the matchup around omos but he can't do this thing what is it called wrestle so i think that 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 was the whole issue there with him but i like him outside of the ring i think he has charisma but he like you said steven he was a fish out of water in this match completely but everybody else kind of kept it together and i do agree with you madcap moss just has a look that just says wwe is just going to be drooling all over him i don't think he has charisma he can wrestle but he doesn't have too much charisma and that's his issue right now but as soon as they can get him a character that he can actually do he might be going somewhere but overall the match was good and probably probably the second best match on the night after usos versus street profits Nice. Um, so I thought Seth was possibly going to win and it wasn't because I thought that they were going to do the same thing. I just thought like at some point the guy's got to win and what better way to like redeem him than to like, yeah, you lost to Cody all these times and whatever. And you haven't won a match since like, I don't know, four months or something, but yeah, you won the money in the bank. So, like, we're we're going on the right track with you. Um, another thing that I would like to say is that Riddle is no spring chicken. And if you're going to really, like, actually do something and pull the trigger on Riddle, like, it needs to be soon. And I honestly kind of like the idea of Riddle and Theory for the briefcase. Like, just at SummerSlam, Riddle and Theory for the briefcase because then it's like, you're like in the way of like my goals and you still have 10 more years to accomplish things. Like I'm running out of time and it's like people true heel, true baby face. I think the crowd would really be involved in that. Um, I, I would like to see something like that. So I just think it's a, it's kind of a miss. I hate the way that they, they do things when, when the fans feel like it's forced, they're never going to get behind you. And so theory is kind of doomed from the get go. And like, you got to think too, like we didn't even really know what they thought of theory until a golden egg came around. And then it was like, Oh, so like he's Vince's guy because they're looking for a golden egg. 
And then it was like, oh, we're going to continue this on to WrestleMania. And like, oh, so like he is Vince's guy. Okay, I get it. But like, that's basically where it all stemmed from was a golden egg based off a Netflix movie. Like that's, that's pretty rough. That's the best way that you can introduce them together. I, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, WWE fans want to keep having the same thing. Something great happened over and over again, but that's why they keep watching because they just are expecting great things to happen and they just don't. And then they're confused and upset and everything else. And it's like, look, I think the WWE is better than it's been in a while just because I think of AEW has pushed them in that position. They never wanted to have these more intense matches and, some of the the focus on some of these storylines and things like that. I think it would be way more lazier if AEW didn't exist. So imagine that. And they're also in a weird transition wherever Vince is, like what whatever that's going on and and all that stuff. So it's it's a weird time for the company. Plus you have injuries. They had key injuries to Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes. So like I said, in my opinion, you know the fans were already behind Riddle with the Roman match. Riddle impress him there. Riddle's been impressive in Money in the Bank. Like, don't lose that momentum because, like I said, if you want to cash in, like the time is now for Riddle. Yeah, yeah. I, I always forget how. Well, I mean, he had an he had a whole UFC career. Um, I mean, it got cut short because he kept failing for weed. But like, who cares? That was so ridiculous. Um, we got a super chat before we wrap up the Money in the Bank talk. Yeah. Um, this from Alexander. Alexander Fitzgerald, thank you as always, Alexander, for joining the show this week. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you so much, man. Uh, It says, do you think the Money in the Bank winners, if they are a face, should they cash in how RVD did back in 2006 and say they won a future match? It comes off like a real heel move when faces cash in after a match. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that. Yeah, the, the... the way Rob Van Dam did it was definitely the most like honorable way you could do it. He called it, you know, weeks in advance and just had a straight up match for it. Um, has it also else... put Cena in a position of where he would never normally take a match like that, but he was forced to take a match like that in an environment that he didn't want to. So it just added yeah. to the story. And then the crowd completely came through for RVD and really made that environment to where it looked like Cena was way in over his head. And so it just, it was brilliant storytelling. It worked. And I do agree with that. Like it comes like the first time I really remember a cash in was edge cashing in on Cena doing it dirty like that. Like Cena had just got done a new year's revolution. He just got out of the elimination chamber. He's beat the Holy hell. And then here comes edge. And it was funny too, because the fans were so pissed that Cena had won and then Edge came out and it just like blew the roof off the place because they knew that Edge was going to cash in the money in the bank and win. And uh, yeah, so I, I do think it's a heel tactic for sure. Yeah, that uh, that New Year's Revolution cash in was awesome because that was also the year where Cena beat like all like the up and coming guys like Carlito and Masters and stuff. Everyone was like, "Oh, there's going to be like a new champion, like someone we've never seen before." And it wound up being Edge who hadn't won the title ever up to that point. And he wasn't even in the match. And, and I don't think many people even considered that as an option because the Money in the Bank thing was so new and we'd never seen a cash in before. And it was like, oh, wait, he, he can cash in right after this match. Like, Cena's hurt. Like, this is genius. And that led to Edge becoming the rated R superstar and the whole thing. I mean, the way that, the way that they did it was awesome. Um, yeah. 
any additional thoughts sp3 yeah i'm still waiting for a baby face to do what daniel bryan originally said he was gonna do after he won money in the bank which is uh i'm gonna wait and i'm gonna cash it in for a match at wrestlemania i want i want a baby face to win money in the bank and say i'm cashing it in at wrestlemania like six months in advance say i'm cashing it in at wrestlemania and actually do that and you know the raw rumble winner can roast the champion on night one of wrestlemania and then the money in the bank winner gets the the match at night two is basically what jay white did in um in new japan when he versed koto obushi on night two of wrestle kingdom just do that in wwe that's what i want the baby face to do but i do agree with alexander that yeah it comes off kind of heelish even if you're announcing it in advance like big e did I don't think Big E's cash in came off very well because he he beat an injured Lashley after Lashley yep. beat Randy Orton. And so, yeah, it never comes off very well when a babyface does that. So I'm waiting for a babyface to kind of do something like that or choose their hometown for a pay-per-view. That's where they're going to cash in. Something like that I think works better. I even with this year, I would have I would have been fine with Drew McIntyre winning money in the bank and saying I'm cashing it in at Cardiff at Clash of the Castle. I would have been fine yep. with that. Yeah, yeah would, that, that makes all sense. Yeah. I think Cody was going to do it, honestly. I think Cody was going to win Money in the Bank, and he was going to declare that he was cashing it in at WrestleMania, and it just, you know, didn't didn't work out. It fell through. Yeah. Y'all remember the time when uh, Mr. Kennedy won the Money in the Bank, and then, like, they thought he was going to be out for, like, months with that injury, and then they had the Undertaker win it. Or, sorry, that they had Edge win it from him, and then Edge yeah. beat the Undertaker for the title. And then Kennedy was back, like, two or three weeks later. Like, he actually wasn't that hurt. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, Poor Kennedy. <laughs> like, bringing that up for some reason. That might be the most underwhelming wrestler ever for me. It was, like, for the amount of hype he had. Like, when he went to TNA – he just wanted to being lame. Like he was, he was oh, calling man. himself and his fans assholes, and like nobody could like yeah. get behind it. And he wound up in the aces and eights. Anyways, he could have been. He could have been Vince's son. He almost, almost was. Um, squandered many he opportunities. If he wasn't involved in that steroid scandal, so yeah, yeah, if he wouldn't have dropped Randy Orton wrong when they all dressed up like basketball players, you know, he he um, would have still been in in WWE to this day. Yeah, Mr. Anderson, Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right, let's so let's gonna, talk about yeah. uh, Logan Paul too, because well, we'll get to the WWE there. Well, we're definitely going to. Let me just a, a couple more things on Money in the Bank, real quick, just to get them out there. Yeah, yeah. Bianca Belair, Carmella. I I really don't know if this match came off well or not, because Carmella. I, I've never been very impressed by her, but Bianca is like really really good. Like yep. one of the few people that like has not even. She's still years away from hitting her prime, and she's already this good. Like she has an ultra bright future. So that is one person I'm actually really happy seeing the way she's progressed. Um, say, uh, SP3 was saying that the Usos and the Street Profits were match of the night. Um, and those were really the only two matches that we hadn't touched on. SP3, um, how how did uh, Bianca and Carmella come across? And then also, um, why was Usos versus Street Profits so good? 
uh, Bianca and Carmilla came off like a raw match. It was a glorified mm-hmm. squash. Uh, I think B, I would say Carmella got 25% of that match and the other 75% was just Bianca just being better than her and just won pretty convincingly. And then they did an angle after the match to continue the feud. And it was very confusing on why they did that. So I would say that match was probably the worst match of the night. But Street Poppers versus Usos, that was WWE tag team match of the year. Like that was in my, I would put that even in my top five matches from WWE this year. Like those those two teams, they started off slow and they let it escalate and build and build and build. And they had a nice little heat segment with Montez and he tagged into Angelo Dawkins and the match got elevated. Dawkins showed a lot. This was probably Dawkins uh, best performance doing like flip dives to the outside. His selling was great. Montez selling was great during this matchup. They had the little, you know, uh, hockey fight in the middle of the ring with all four guys guys with that really felt like a fight forever type of moment and the near falls had the had the crowd on their feet had the crowd like captivated on the edge of their seat and then the finish it actually you know helped them with the finish where montez shoulder was up and you know it, it actually gives them a reason to run it back at SummerSlam. and this is a match that i've pretty much seen at nauseum over the last year i think i've seen it like eight different times with these two teams but i would say that this was their best match together and this you know for anyone like myself i'm i'm not the biggest i love the usos but i'm also one of the bigger critics of the usos i don't know if i could be both but i am probably both because i say the usos all they did was take the young bucks in-ring style and the briscoe's promo style they put it in a blender and sprinkle some Samoan on it and that's all they did was put it on a bigger stage in the WWE and they and they've done great with that but honestly I felt like this was their best match since their 2017 series with the New Day it's been quite some time since they had a match at this level but Street Profits this was their best tag team match that I've ever seen from them and these two teams went out there and they stole the show on a match on a night that had two Money in the Bank ladder matches I think everybody would came out of it talking about Usos and Street Profits they really delivered here I I gotta check that match out now was that would you say like overall when you're talking about like the landscape of pro wrestling not just WWE is it something where like there's like a handful of like young bucks matches in ftr like is it like where would you rank this amongst like the greatness we've been seeing out of like the AEW tag division i because i had i had somebody i saw on twitter was like oh this match is better than any AEW tag team match i've seen this year and i just called bs on that because i was like young bucks versus ftr2 was better I would say um, the three-way at Revolution with Jurassic Express, the Young Bucks, and Red Dragon was better. But outside of those, I would think that it's on par with like FTR versus Moxley and Punk, which was a great tag team match. I think it was on the same level of, you know, Double or Nothing's three-way with Jurassic Express, Swerve in Our Glory, and Team Taz. Like it was on the AEW tag team level. I don't think it was like on the level of like FTR versus the Briscoes, which is still my match of the year. Um, But it was on the level of like these next tier down of AEW 
AEW tag team matches, which is a whole level above what WWE usually gives us in tag team matches. So sometimes when WWE gives you that great match, it feels greater to a lot of fans. And I can understand that because they don't give us something like that always. And they gave us something special on this night. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Quick question. Is Montez Ford showing signs that he will eventually be a singles? Like, I heard he's gotten bigger. And, he's, more, uh, he's more jacked since last time he's, I saw him. He's jacked up. And the but is there any, me. like, um, tension, like, possibly shown no. that, that, like, we're not picking up on yet or anything like the, that that they could be breaking up? The, the problem with WWE is they like to tell us instead of show us. And that that's their issue. What they're doing right now is they're telling us that the Street Profits are having tension and having problems, but they're not showing this at all. And I feel like in my eyes, I feel like Dawkins and Ford are going into business for themselves because the WWE keeps talking about it. They were even talking about it on commentary during NXT tonight, but there's been nothing we've seen on screen that shows any type of tension between Dawkins and Ford. I feel like Dawkins and Ford are like yeah y'all can tell that story but we're not going to show you that story because we like teaming with each other gotcha interesting interesting okay cool well that's money in the bank um if y'all have super chats donations and stuff that pertain to things outside of money in the bank feel free to send them in we'll make sure to address them if you want more money in the bank thoughts if you send super chats donations we'll still address them too even though we're going to move on a little bit from that right now but stick with the wwe because there was some big news this week about a big signing to the WWE. Now, I I called this a very long time ago, not just with Logan Paul, but with like just other athletes or other celebrities in general. Um, I've been saying for a while now, like the WWE is way more interested. Like if they can land influencers, people like Logan Paul, people like Bad Bunny, or sorry, was yeah, Bad Bunny. Um, what was that? I said, yeah, you're right. Oh, Bo. Okay, gotcha. Because I there is I, I almost confused him with so, someone else. There's a, a bad uh, bad baby, right? Is like isn't that the the catch me outside girl? Isn't that the anyways bad Barbie Next. maybe is what I mean. Anyways, I'm not I'm not too hip on on everything. Everybody, okay. But my point is, these are like giant wins for the WWE when they can get these kind of celebrities. Um, they tried it with Tyson Fury, but like that didn't really work out so well. They tried it with Cain Velasquez, but like Logan Paul is like their perfect kind of signing because he's he's athletic, he's good looking, he's still young, he has a massive following, and he has the legitimacy. Call it what you will, celebrity boxing, whatever you want to call it. Like he's not he's not like I mean his brother Jake actually is like really impressive with what he's doing but logan i mean for to give logan his credit he's basically he sparred with him for 12 rounds and didn't get knocked out like give him some credit there he he even caught floyd on some shots that floyd was surprised with you could tell like floyd was like what he was out there going for it like it's not like he had the best form in the world but he was out there trying to finish the fight like he was out there trying to land punches like it it takes balls to, to to it doesn't matter who you are how much bigger you are you're fighting the best boxer of the last like few decades like i mean and you're a youtuber with like two fights and those were against other youtubers like that's i mean so i 
I think that Logan's impressive to me. Like I've, what I've seen of him in the ring, he looks good and incompetent in what he's doing. Um, I don't think he's going to be there that often, but I think he'll be around for a few big matches a year. And if you keep pairing him with people like The Miz and other people that are celebrities outside of wrestling, I think it's going to work really well for the WWE. And it brings in more kid audience, which is what WWE wants. Is more. I mean, Logan, to his credit, he's done a good job of kind of transitioning with his podcast into kind of being more for adults. But I think he's always going to have somewhat of a core kid audience that that discover him through youtubers older videos or his old buying compilations and all that kind of stuff so like but um, you also have to think steven like those young kids are now old and yeah. they that so he's getting that teenage mark he's getting that 18 demographic is right which getting. is what they really really which the, exactly yeah. well now i think they they need the 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 well depends how you look at it they need the kids more because there there's always going to be the influx of kids and a lot right. of them are going to stick around but they're getting destroyed so badly by the ufc and by AEW and the 18 to 49 that somebody like logan paul will help them with that for sure yep. um so um so yeah i i i think it makes all the sense in the world that logan paul assigned to deal with the wwe i'm, I'm happy for the guy and um i've talked about it on the show before but i got to meet him in vegas a couple years ago and he was cool as hell. Like he was cool as hell. I, I talked to him about his, his second fight with KSI. Um, I told him, I thought that he won. He gave me knocks. He was like, cool as hell. And I was like, dude, I was like, this is a good guy. Like he's made stupid mistakes on YouTube, but he's also broadcasted most of his life onto the internet. Like that's a super unnatural thing to do. And you're going to have screw ups when your, your whole life is, is recorded. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. made some big mistakes, but he's also done pretty good at like recovering from those and, you know, I'm, I'm, I think he's a pretty good, I think he's a pretty good example of somebody who's been canceled multiple times has come out the other end of it. And he's still young enough and, and smart enough that I think he's like, he's really succeeding and he's, he's going to be fine going for, he's only going to keep getting bigger and better. That prime drink that he's got apparently is killing it. That, that drink he's got with KSI now. I mean, good his podcast killing it. Good, good for him. I, I think it's smart for the WWE. I think it's smart for him. What do you guys think? It makes sense. Makes sense. The yeah. only thing that I am curious about is like, why would you actually show like pictures of him signing a contract? I mean, to me, this feels like it's much more than just like a couple of matches. I could be wrong, but I I personally think that he might really like because because Logan's one of those guys that's a dream chaser, and I feel like that he signed so he could become champion. Like I don't think he's here just to like wrestle the Miz and leave. And but I mean, also he's only remember seven years old. Yeah, remember when they signed Cain Velasquez and they made like a huge deal about it, and he only wrestled once though. Like I also got to think he also, about. He also got yeah. stuck during the pandemic too. That true, that true. was a big part. But I mean, the way that they did the Brock match was so. Oh bad. no, it came across terrible. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. But true. but like the moment that I heard that Logan Paul wanted to get involved in wrestling, I knew he was going to be good. He's a talented kid. He's extremely athletic. He's he's very smart. Like. I don't think a lot – and the funny thing is, is I ended, I hated both those brothers, right? Couldn't stand them. But both of them have gained my respect just by seeing how hard they work, just by seeing how much they grind. And, like, I'm not hating it. And it makes a lot of sense for the WWE. To me, he is everything that the WWE wants to be right now. And I, But I think that he's not just some sideshow celebrity freak that every now and then can pop up. Like, I think if they really want to, like – 
put him on TV and and put him on pay-per-views and everything, like I think he could possibly build up to a title. Yeah, how do you feel, SP3? I can see it, and I, I totally agree with you. I was kind of, like, turned off by their whole history and, you know, just being the kind of YouTubers in that generation. But, nah, they, they have grinded and earned a lot of people's, uh, you know, respect. And I agree with you also that it seemed like this is more than just, you know, having a match here and having a match there that he's gonna be around somewhat regularly like i think that he might get like the maybe the ronda 2018 type of schedule where he does like do like the big shows at times but then he starts appearing on you know raw a little bit more often and i think they were making the right decision as far as you know keeping him protected his first match was you know the tag match with miz versus mysterios and he looked great at wrestlemania 38 and now it seems after this week's monday night raw that they're gonna do miz and champa versus aj styles and logan paul and you got three great workers in there with logan paul he's gonna it's gonna he's gonna look good by proxy i think the only mistake they're making is him wanting to be a baby face in this feud with the miz because he just screams heel and he's gonna get booed regardless of going against the miz or not if they, there's anyone that can make the miz a baby face again it's logan paul there's something that you just kind of glossed over there that that caught my uh my attention you said uh, the Miz and Champa is Champa like with the Miz now? Yeah, he's basically been doing like this more of like subtle thing where he attacks people that are like against the Miz, whether it was like Riddle or Ali, and then AJ Styles recently, and then this week on Monday Night Raw, uh, it was AJ versus uh, Miz, and I think AJ won. And then after the match, Champa attacked him, and then the Miz and Champa kind of like you know basically you know showed respect to each other and now they're basically a unit and mm -hmm. he's been Miz has been feuding with aj styles for a couple of weeks so that's what's led a lot of people on social media to kind of assume that that's how they're gonna do the logan paul match at SummerSlam. it's, it's gonna be another tag team match Ooh, so logan paul's gonna pin champa that's wild um maybe champa's a big real world fan or something maybe that's the story like he's been a fan of the Miz this whole time and you know he was friends with Coral and they both eventually you know warmed up to him um exactly he, wow. he Champa, oh, Champa was actually Champa was actually Malik from that Champa series was he just, Malik. He, just oh, he just shaved his afro you know yeah there you go that those are some deep cuts for for people outside of our hey, demo they have no idea I know who they them. are though so yeah we're true. on the same page true um and you know I see uh uh, you know, people agreeing about, you know, not like the Paul brothers at first and stuff like that. I was with y'all. Like my, my introduction to Logan Paul was because I missed kind of the whole, I'm not into like TikTok and that kind of, I'm really not into anything outside of Twitter. And even that, that's really just more so like to plug the stuff I'm doing. I, I, I like being kind of outside of the social media realm. Um, but I was never into Vine. I kind of missed that whole thing when it happened. So my, my introduction to Logan Paul was a video he made where he pretended to be colorblind and like wore these glasses that were supposed to correct his colorblindness. And like it did this whole act about how, and it was supposed to be real though. And like, he eventually got called out and it was like, this guy isn't colorblind. This guy's just a liar who for reviews, you know? And, and I saw the whole suicide forest thing that he was a part yeah. of. And I mean, there was, 
There was a lot That's, of reasons to dislike Logan Paul. Trust me. I first found out about him because Kenny was going at him on Twitter. Then I had no Kenny idea who he was. Yeah. And Kenny was going after him for how he did the whole suicide forest thing. And uh, I, that's when I first found out about him. And then it's like, they just became like, they were like the biggest trolls, like both him and his brother. And then they just reminded me of like, you know, boy band, Justin Bieber types or whatever. And, but like, like I said, they've definitely earned my respect. You know, Um, they, they've put in the time and it's, we see this stuff all the time where celebrities try to cross over and do things, but like they've always taken the stuff seriously. They've never made a fool out of themselves. You know what I mean? And I give them a lot of credit for that. My, my introduction to Jake, who I've really 180'd on, because I'm a big Jake fan at this point. Like I really respect what he's doing in the boxing world. I think it's incredible. But like, especially because of the people he's beating, because like I don't like Tyron Woodley. So like that was real satisfying. And like Ben Askren, like that was just hilarious. And the, the, um, who was the basketball player he he slept? Um, Nate, uh, Robinson. Nate Robinson. But yeah, Nate yeah. Robinson. He slept him just face down. And like, I mean, but my introduction to him was his music on YouTube. Like, it's every day, bro, with the Disney Channel flow. You know, just like, what? Like, this guy's getting millions of This is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. Romeo's over here talking about uh, a lot of YouTubers' live reviews. He'll get this one. Let's get right into the news. That's Keemstar, his buddy, the biggest liar on YouTube, but he's been very successful, very successful um, live yeah. on YouTube. So, hey, I, I, I get it. I get, I get the, I get the game that's being played on YouTube and the views and how to monetize. And I get it. I get the game. Um, but I'm also, and for what it's worth, I actually like Keemstar, this guy was just kind of roasting. I actually like him a lot better now than I did when I, uh, just a few years ago, because eventually i think some of these guys and girls and you know, people that, that do this kind of stuff eventually like the the eventually the it's gonna the well's gonna kind of run dry on like the shtick and you're either gonna just fade out and just be kind of like a flavor of the week on the internet or there's like actual substance to you and once people realize who you really are if you're actually like a cool person then you can have like an actual kind of career going forward. And I think that's what uh, Logan really did that well with his podcast. He went from like some really unrelatable kind of snob online who was just kind of lying for views and going to Japan and throwing pokeballs at unsuspecting Japanese people. And then, you know, and then, and then he winds up doing his podcast and he starts having long form conversations where it's not all just edited, 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 edited. You're like, Oh, this guy's actually like a pretty cool guy. Like the other stuff made him look like a total dick, but like, Without all the editing and all the and all the hype beast stuff and all the view baiting, like he actually seems like a pretty normal dude. Like, and that's and then it's relatable, you know. Um, Uncle Jack Kelly, always gotta give a shout out to this guy. This guy, every week he changes his username to another always sunny reference. This week he has gone with Uncle Jack Kelly. I really appreciate that. Um, he says Keem might be bad, but he's not as bad as H3H3. I was massively on Team H3H3 for years. And now if I had to choose, I'd take Team Star over H3H3 myself. So I, listen, and this is nerdy YouTube stuff that we're getting into at this point. But anyways, any other, any additional thoughts from either of y'all on, on Logan Paul and the WWE or anything we're talking about here when it comes to influencers? Do you think, do you, do you have, do you think anyone's next? Like, do you think that you think, I think if there's going to be more influencers that wind up doing this, um, I would be surprised if Jake shows up eventually too. I yeah. just the, the boxing thing's not going to last forever, and uh, I could see Jake Jake definitely showing up. 
Yeah. I don't know yeah. about the rest of the stuff. I'm not that hip into the scene, you know what I mean? Well, well not, H3, he either. definitely will not be getting involved. See, it's funny because now these guys have all, like, Keemstar is a really good example of this. Now they've all, like, somehow, like, wormed their way into the world of boxing because now there's all these, like, TikToker and YouTuber and influencer boxing events. So now these people who have no idea about combat sports are like commentating on combat sports. Like it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how it's happened. But I'm here for it. Like I am highly but, entertained by that kind of but stuff. But this is the thing is fighting, wrestling. What's the whole point of it? It's to get to see a fight and who, who wins yeah. and who loses is really the key. It's not necessarily how good they are. And if you take two people that are bad at fighting – it's much more enjoyable. It's much more fair. Like you don't necessarily want to see someone that's a supremely skilled guy versus somebody that has no idea what they're doing, unless you hate the person and you can't wait to see him get knocked out or something. But when it's just two YouTubers, now it's just about saying like, okay, let's see who fight. It's a lot like, honestly, it's like high school where like the two guys in the, in get into it in the locker. And then they're like, let's go outside and see who wins. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, they're going to fight. Yeah. And that's basically what this is, but it's, they're bringing their fan bases along with them. Um, well, you just, you don't expect them to actually fight real fighters. And that's, what's made the, the YouTube transition for Jake Paul and Logan Paul interesting because it's like Floyd Mayweather and Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren. I mean, these are, legit fighters from their perspective sports or whatever. And even though they jumped into boxing, it's still, it's admirable. They're not just fighting KSIs or whatever, you know what I mean? So I give them their credit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's try to transition real quick to a um, couple things, getting to AEW and then we'll go to the UFC, Steven. Um, so if you watch BTE, Nick Jackson was going to send a text to Adam Page, just like, hey, man, let's work it out. Like, I know things have not worked out. And then they hinted at, like, oh, we still have one friend left that's still here that's not injured or whatever. So, like, where do you think that that storyline could possibly go? I'll let SP3 go first on this. Yeah, it was um Matt because when he said it on Dynamite, yeah, it was it was Nick that was like, oh yeah, the AEW World Tag Team Titles, and I kind of knew that Matt was referencing uh Hangman Adam Page, so I liked that they kind of answered it, the 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 question, the lingering question, because a lot of this stuff for people that don't watch like BTE or don't know the story beats of everything, they miss out on a lot of the little for stuff sure. that they do on television so i like this whole segment and i think i've been calling this for a year that the the whole thing is going to lead to hangman adam page reuniting with the og elite because yep. that's what it has to be and i think that you know the whole story has kind of slowed down due to a lot of different injuries with kyle o'reilly and adam cole but adam cole is kind of the snake in the grass he was the original guy cody's whole role in the bullet club war it was just him replacing adam cole adam cole was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to be the wedge between kenny omega and the young bucks back in 2016 but he chose to go to wwe and i think the story in aew is going to be hangman with the undisputed elite taking that name from the young bucks betraying the young bucks and starting the whole group with red dragon and hopefully 
by the time we get to next year around like june time we can get roderick strong in aew as well we can get the full undisputed elite and you know kenny omega and the young bucks are outnumbered we head into war games and they need one more member and that's when we get the full reunion of the og elite and hangman out on page reunites with them because they also i think it was two weeks ago on being the elite you had hangman adam page say that he was looking for a broom and then he saw he saw the the dark order and the dark order told him that even when you won the aew world championship you weren't happy and the reason that he wasn't happy is because he doesn't have his real friends the friends that helped him get to that that position as aew world champion or the young bucks and you had you know matt and nick give him the nod of approval at full gear so yep. it's all that story beats it it's always this story was always going to lead to the OG OG really you know reuniting and I think that's going to happen next year at Blood and Guts it's going to be OG Elite versus Undisputed Elite and that's going to be the full reunion and the end of this whole story that'd be sick I would love to see it play out that way and knowing AEW I mean that's I love the long-term storytelling AEW does like little things that they plant seeds all the time that actually lead to things even if it's years later like I, I, I love that. And on BTE, I, I want people to know too, like it's, it frustrates me sometimes with AEW when it comes to B, BTE because sometimes some of their most, in my opinion, some of their most important promos and stuff happen on that show and just a fraction of their audience is seeing it. So like, like Matt Hardy has probably done the best work of his entire AEW career with promos he's done on BTE that the rest of the audience just never saw. So like they just see Matt Hardy just kind of being kind of like a just kind of lame or like kind of stale or changing his character. The whole Hardy found uh, Hardy family thing didn't really work and this or that. But then you see BTE and he's cutting these like passion and promos about like the other week he was talking about how like he doesn't blame Jeff for the situation Jeff's in. He blames himself because he's the one who keeps dragging Jeff into these things with him and then. Jeff keeps getting injured because of like, you know, I know he, he had like the motorcycle injury years ago and he has all these, these lingering injuries and the lingering substance abuse issues and stuff. And Matt, just, it's like, it was this great promo the other week. And I was like, dude, the whole AEW audience should see this because this explains so much about the Hardy boys and where they're at right now as a team. It would really hold people over until Jeff came back or until they figure out what to do with Matt. And it's like, maybe a hundred to 200,000 people saw it on YouTube, which is a fraction of their million, you know, audience on Wednesdays. So it's like, I, you know, uh, to, on one hand it's on the fan, right? Like the, the, the company is putting all this content out there. If you don't go out of your way to watch BTE, if you're not watching rampage each week, if you're not watching AEW dark, if you're only watching dynamite, like that's really on you as a wrestling fan. But at the same time, I understand why some fans are confused when they, when they see certain things happening on AEW TV and they're like just completely confused by what's happening. Like the, one of the biggest examples ever of that was when a uh, hangman and the dark order had like the lawnmowers on dynamite and nobody would have got it unless you were watching BT. Like it would have been just random as hell that these guys are on, on riding lawnmowers, you know, like you just wouldn't, you know, so um, it's just, it's just worth bringing up because, because once and- again, same thing with the young bucks and, and hangman 
and talking about Matt Hardy, the whole buildup for the Hardys and Young Bucks, most of it happened on BTE. If you just yep. watch AEW Dynamite, it seemed like something that they just put together like two weeks before Double or Nothing, yep. but they were doing all that work on BTE. But no, like you said, only a fraction of the audience actually saw it. So to anyone who just watches AEW Dynamite, it's like, oh man, you guys haphazardly put together this dream match that y'all were talking about. Y'all just did a two-week build for it when they actually were building to it ever since Jeff debuted in AEW. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so here's my only thing though, is like, how many times are these friends going to break up and get back together? You know what I mean? Like I, from, from the Bucks to Kenny, then they like, it's very similar to that, like Bucks and Kenny and their issues. And then bringing in hangman now leaving then hangman coming back and all that. I will say this though. I think if they're going this direction, I think it's a pretty good sign that Kenny is coming back soon. Because I don't think that you do this unless you know that Kenny is going to be here soon. Because I think they've been holding off on this since full gear. Because the whole point was it was to help Adam and they were acknowledging him. And it was like going to be, hey, you know, you, you help Adam there. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that this was in the plans all the way along. And I think by doing this, it's acknowledging like, hey, Kenny's getting pretty close. So hopefully, I, I'm thinking September. I pray September. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I just I don't know how much more you can break the elite up and put them back together and break them up and put them back together. And I feel like just like the, the one of the best storylines I ever saw, and I've said this over and over again, was the Bullet Club is fine, and it was all through BT and it was all through YouTube, and then every now and then New Japan and ROH would help it out and stuff. But we are on AEW now. A lot of this should be on TV. A lot of this, it, it's compelling. And that's one thing that I'll complain about AEW in a sense that, like, you give people something on a story and then you don't address it on actual AEW TV for, like, two or three weeks and it's lost steam. I, I personally think, like, what's going on with MJF is a big mistake. Like, whatever you're doing, you're losing steam off of this. Like, and then, like, I don't know if you just recently saw Wardlow's interview, but he just basically trashed him, said he was an asshole in real life. Like, and he can just – I'm not going to get into it, but I, I don't have anything good to say about the guy. And whether they're in shoot or not, we have Jericho doing the same thing, and it's like – it, it's just it's awkward. Tony won't answer the question. And if he's your second biggest draw and all your got your main talent is injured right now, like it just seems off that like you're not even acknowledging even just a simple like if you actually have plans for MJF, like even just a simple hint here or there or just something, I think would at least keep that momentum because I know for a fact there are casual viewers that ended up like really liking MJF and they don't really even want to watch till he's back. And yet it's like, is MJF back yet? No. Do you know when he's coming back? No. And after a while, they're just going to tune out. Like, so I, I think that problem, part of the problem is, is that Tony is one of us. And if he is trying to smart mark us, then he really is going to go that extra mile that it is going to be hard to figure out. And MJF is one of the most harder hardest wrestlers to figure out because he's constantly in character but basically to put it all back into perspective it's just 
a lot of this stuff needs to be seen on Dynamite. It does need to have some more storyline-driven stuff and not just wrestling matches. And if you had to cut a match here or there, I think it's worth it to get some of these storylines across and to keep with the same storyline. So if we're going to do the Bucks and Hangman, I need to see something about that storyline moving forward every single week. So then it can really gain momentum. And then when that moment actually happens, it like all makes sense. And nobody's like, well, like, you know, they didn't do anything for like three weeks. And all of a sudden now they're friends. Like, that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like just, if you're going to do long-term storytelling, it needs to be done on dynamite rampage, things like that. Yeah. You know, I know we've talked about it before, but like, I think part of this now there's also, I'll preface this by saying there's a real possibility that MJF, is like actually just trying to get out of AEW. Like he might actually like really be trying to leave to go to the WWE. Like that's. I possible. think that's a hundred percent possible. I yeah, really do. It, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I didn't believe Cody was going to the WWE till I saw him walk out of WrestleMania. I was like still convinced. Like there's he, there's no way he's no way he's going back really. And and MJF is kind of in a similar boat um, to a certain degree. You know, like jumping from one company to the other, and like there there being a lot of. Uh, a lot of confusion as to like what exactly is real and what isn't and you know yeah it's just i i think there's a if this is a story i like that he's not there only because the the biggest complaint of the of the cm punk beating john cena winning the title in 2011 the biggest complaint was that he came back too soon like it was you know they we wanted to see months where cm punk the thing with him was a little different because he was showing up to like indie shows with the title and he was like taking pictures of like the title belt in his refrigerator and stuff. And it was like, Oh, this guy's kind of like mother F in the WWE, like with this title belt, this is, this is fun to watch. Um, but with MJF, like, I just don't want it to be a thing where it is all the work. And then he comes back to you soon and everyone's like, Oh, we could have dragged this out for six months. It would have been like a huge wait. I'll, I'll say this. I think at this point, I think it's a work. I think MJF is coming back. And I think there's not a whole lot they can do until Punk is back with him. Because I think the ultimate plan is MJF eventually winning the world title from CM Punk to wrap their whole thing up. They're one and one. MJF's going to say they're two and one or MJF's two and one over him and all. Like that, I think, is still the big end game of Punk being the champion is MJF beating him for that title. So if if Punk's hurt right now and the big plan is him and him and MJF that almost might help this, this whole situation because MJF stays off TV. And maybe by the time we all feel like we forgot about him, that's when he comes back and like really makes a big, a big impact. So I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying though, too, Doug, where like it would be on another hand, it would be nice if there were little hints here or there. So like it had the, the internet and the wrestling fans like talking each week being like, do you see that little thing? Like, do you see that ring that fell on the ground during that segment? Like, do you see like, like, do you, like, you know, like little things like that where it keeps the conversation going but or also, even if just like we could get Tony being like, I'm still in the conversation with Warner Brothers or Discovery, just kind of see what we're going to do in the future with MJF or just something. But like, I'm not talking about that right now. Like right. that's that's the that's Dana White refusing to talk about Paul Daly yeah. ever coming back to the UFC or something like that. Like that's like, don't even bring that up. We're never talking about him again. Like that's the vibe that it, it gets. Now I'm not saying that's the case, but it's just, there's just nothing. And he had so much momentum. I mean, when he cut that promo, he won the crowd over. 
everybody was behind him and like just gone and nothing more. And it's kind of like, okay. And I, and I don't think it would be that bad if CM Punk still was there and Kenny Omega was there and Adam Cole was there and Kyle O'Reilly, you name it. But like so many, Dan, Brian Danielson, so many injured wrestlers are going on right now where it's like, man, like it'd be nice to have an MJF around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'm okay with it actually because it, it when you really think about it, it's only been a month that that promo was on the June first episode of AEW, and like like Jensen said, I've seen so many WWE storylines where the guy came back too soon or they made reference to him too soon. He brought up you know CM Punk coming back eight days after winning the WWE title at Money in the Bank. I instantly thought of a Survivor Series 2010 when John Cena was the referee with Wade Barrett and Randy Orton, and he was fired and then came back came back the next week in the crowd or when John Cena was supposed to take time off after Brock Lesnar murdered him at Extreme Rules 2012 and then was on Monday Night Raw the following day so I'm totally actually fine with them basically having that pipe bomb promo because at the end of the day I think we're all going to be saying when he returns and we hear the reaction for his return I think we're all going to be saying I think they did all right. I think they did all right because he's going to get yeah. the same type of reaction. He's going to get that raw from the crowd and that people are now missing him. And they might, this might be the way that they make MJF actually into a baby face in some type of way. And like, you know, uncle Jack said, like that's one of the better ones that I remember is Kevin Steen after, you know, the fight without honor against El Generico. I was in the building at best in the world, 2011 after, after six months of them not really mentioning, uh, you know, Steen, they had the whole Steve Carino storyline where he talked about his time with, with Kevin Steen, but never mentioned him by name. And then Steen came through the crowd and appeared that that crowd was in love with him and they yep. still made it into a heel. But, you know, they were in love to him. They gave him that type of reaction. And I think that's what we're going to get with MJF. Yeah. Which, and I mean, I'm totally fine if it works and everything. Like, one thing that Tony Khan has done, he's earned my trust. So, whatever happens, it's fine. Um, I just feel like as a wrestling fan, especially a modern-day wrestling fan, like, I'm just so used to not knowing. Like, I'm not used to not knowing what, what's going on. Like, it, it's it's like, if I, if I really, like, if someone could just tell me it's a work and I could be like, just, he's coming in a month, I'd be like, okay, cool, I'll relax. It's nice. But, like, I just don't know. But it's not just him, though. It's just I've just seen momentum where there's been storylines, and then it's just like nothing. And um, like even the fact like Jungle Boy's injured. Like, when is he coming back? How long are we doing this Christian Luchasaurus thing? And wouldn't it be nice if Jungle Boy just at least like I don't know did a promo at home or something with Jim Ross? Like, there's just something to keep it going. And, and not lose momentum. And then all of a sudden just Jungle Boy shows up one night and attacks Christian and it's like, oh, okay. I just feel like they could do a better job of keeping it to where like once a storyline's been established to keep it keep it flowing. But that being said, AEW's my favorite wrestling company by far. I thought Blood and Guts was amazing. Um, after it was over, I was just like, I can't believe we got this on free TV. Like this is just wild. And the crowd, and, and that's the thing is like, when you're watching Moxley with the AEW title, and he's walking to the ring and the place is just going nuts. 
it is it literally looks like the attitude era like it people are just absolutely going crazy it's like dude i just doesn't matter what the ratings say or whatever's going on like they have something that no other wrestling company has right now like you can just you can just tell and that's right after the forbidden door too these are like back-to-back events um it's just it's just impressive and then they did get a really good rating they hit a million views again so like that was a that was a huge plus for them and i i love the fact that the new owners of warner brothers discovery like they are they saw that and so one other question real quick is they said i've heard that they want more pay-per-views so in your guys opinion and tony's kind of even hinting at more pay-per-views because he said as a startup company four pay-per-views made sense but we are now more of a global company a bigger company than what we were three years ago. So it sounds like he's definitely open to the idea. My only thing is, is like, does that mean new Japan, ROH, AEW still at four, but then we'd like mix it up and do other stuff. Or do we do six AEW or do we do eight pay-per-views total? Like, what do you guys think that should be the goal and, and like target number that you think they should be looking at? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I love the four pay-per-view model personally, especially because we get so much like pay-per-view level stuff on free TV from AEW. So like, I love it. Cause I only, you know, paid the 50 bucks, you know, whatever, four times a year. And then I guess five with forbidden door and stuff. But then again, AEW is so great. And I say, I say it all the time, if you consider yourself a pro wrestling fan and you're not watching AEW pay-per-views at the very least, like, I don't know what to tell you. Cause like, they, every single one has been a grand slam. So like if they did more pay-per-views, I'd continue to support and continue to pay for their pay-per-views and, and keep watching. So like um, they could do a pay-per-view every month and I'd watch it. But, you know, personally, I do like the four pay-per-view model and the, and the, this, all the special events that we get on free TV. But if they want to do more pay-per-views, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I kind of agree. If they want to do more, I would say six adding like two more adding forbidden door the one thing i didn't like with forbidden uh double or nothing to forbidden door i felt like it was too short amount of time especially with all the issues all the injuries with new japan schedule i thought it was too short if they could have found a way to move forbidden door to july i think that would have worked better so yeah like separating the pay-per-views like every two months and you know adding a forbidden door maybe even making blood and guts into a own pay-per-view that i think that would be that would be really cool and that would be great for them to do and i think yeah they are at that point where they do need to increase the pay-per-views if they're going to do more than six i would do maybe like two or three or four roh pay-per-views and supplement that that would be the way that you kind of spread it out a little bit where it's not just aew but you're still getting a lot of aew people like we're gonna see death before dishonor i feel like that is like a test pay-per-view for them because it's one month after forbidden door two months after double or nothing it's two months before all out i think it's a test pay-per-view to see how they do with having pay-per-views this much like back-to-back because it is very interesting that death before dishonor is going to be on br live so i kind of do think that this is like a test for aew right now but six would be my optimum number and i think that they are at the point with their roster that they're going to need to get to that point where they add just maybe like two more pay-per-views to their schedule 
yeah i mean i'm i'm fine with six that's basically like one every two months like that's that's pretty much good to go and then the wait isn't as long plus you still have the special dynamites that they do do but like you know, maybe like winter is coming becomes a pay-per-view and maybe uh, blood and guts becomes a pay-per-view. And then there you go. Those, those are two established big show names that they do. And uh, I think that that would work. So I like that idea and um, it, it'll be interesting. I do think it's a really good sign though, that they want them to do more pay-per-view because I think the, the key thing for them is like, they don't get that type of activity on bleacher report. Like, Bleacher Report, when it comes on, like when they're ordering pay-per-views, I'm sure they're just like, holy cow, like this is this is night and day difference when we have an AEW pay-per-view. So I'm sure that they would love to see more of those come. And for all the people that say like less is more and they don't want w, uh, more AEW pay-per-views, man, but those same people are also complaining they have too many people on the roster that they don't use. So you can't have both. So I, I, I personally would like to see more it gives more of an opportunity and then that also would allow maybe not to have four hour pay-per-views maybe like three three and a half and then i would like a couple of matches that just don't have enough buzz or whatever they do but they just focus those on like that live rampage like pay-per-view quality but it didn't just make the pay-per-view and that way you don't have 13 14 matches on there and you still have a two big matches that people are like looking forward to on a rampage before the pay-per-view yeah, all sounds reasonable. All very reasonable. SP3, I know it's probably about 5 a.m. where you're at right now. Um, so we're going to we get on the wrestling talk, though. You want to switch into UFC here? No, we're good. We're good. Okay, cool. SP3, hey, man, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, please let everyone know where to find you at. And uh, once SP3 gets his plugs out there, me and Doug are going to talk a little UFC before we get out of here. Uh, yes, you can find me on the Twitter machine here, True Heel SP3. You can follow my YouTube channel. Uh, uh, the whole team effort over on the True Hill Heat YouTube YouTube channel. That's T R U, no E, because we speak Ebonics. Uh, True Heel Heat. Uh, we got live content basically every day of the week. We do watch alongs for Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite. Me and my my friend Jimmy Macaram, we do a review of AEW Dynamite on Thursdays at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time. The most honest, unfiltered review usually of AEW Dynamite because Jimmy does not like Tony Khan. So it's a nice wow. balance of me being wow. a big... I know, and he only watches AEW. That's the crazy part. He only watches AEW. He stopped watching WWE, but all of his issues with AEW stem to Tony Khan. So it's very entertaining. It's a very great time. 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday, and then the flagship podcast True Hill Heat every Saturday, 11:05 a.m. Eastern Time. This week we got Steven Jensen here with us, along with Miss Chrissy Love, the usual cast of characters. We do watch alongs for all the pay-per-views. Uh, we do roundtable reviews for the pay-per-views, whether it's AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We also got a Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash True Hill Heat, and and we also have a Twitch where we're doing gaming over there, as well as uh, we do a Rampage review, as well as reviews of Dark Elevation and NWA Power. So check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash True Heel Heat Wrestling. I want to thank 
Doug so much, one of the OGs of wrestling podcasting, and my brother from a Degrassi mother, Stephen Jensen, for, no, for no, no. inviting are, me we are, on. We are both the spawn of Gordon Bombay. <laughs> this is true. This is yes. true. This yes. is true. Gordon Bombay Gordon has had Bombay. many escapades of many women over the years and just getting with them and leaving. And I think at some point in, in Bombay's life, me and SP3 were both conceived by different different mothers, but the same coach Bombay father. So that's probably this is true. This is true. Bombay's been with a lot of mothers, so he's probably been with both Jensen's and Mai's mother, uh, probably Doug's mother as well. So you never know. You never know with Gordon Bombay. He, he gets around. So, no, but thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate being on, and definitely I am more than welcome to be back on here, especially when I'm back in the States and it's at a regular time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks, thanks for joining so much, us man. again, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to talk with you this weekend. Um, so everyone who's listening, I'll be on with sp3 is it me you and romeo uh me you and miss chrissy love i see romeo in the chat that uh he wants, to, wants to be on you have to you have to wake up in time because he was supposed to be on this week and then show up until like 10 minutes left in the show so you have to uh, wake up in time romeo hey romeo's just, been just doing that out there romeo's been doing me uh some some personal favors as well lately that i really appreciate so like Shout out Romeo. Um, yeah, I, I, um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be on there. Um, I'll be on there this Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to talk to you soon, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us once again. Thank you for having awesome, me, man. guys. Appreciate thanks. you. All right, Later. See you, man. <laughs> Good guy there, that SP3. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate him coming on. Um, and we'll just real quick. I wanted to give this guy a shout out. He's been watching since 07. <laughs> Hopefully you are subscribed now. If you haven't been, um, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. So uh, check us out live every Wednesday. We've got a full archive of stuff. It has chapters. So if you just want to go and find out some of my beliefs and topics of like wrestling now and what I'm into, uh, check it out. So I appreciate you. Um, so really the main thing I want to get into, because I don't think even the Volkanovsky Holloway is much to talk about just because I think Volkanovsky made us all look stupid to even want to rematch. Like I, it was just a thorough, thorough domination and it, it just solidified him as one of the best in the world pound for pound. Um, I really don't know who's going to challenge him. So that was, that was very impressive, but, but almost like shocking how dominant it was because when you see rematches like this and go into trilogies, they're usually always competitive, especially when the last two were so competitive and like just the jump that he has made since then. Really impressive. Um, by the way, I'm trying to line my body up with Logan I see Paul's that. right now. I you see, see that? that? You're, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I can't get small enough for theory here, so I'm kind of stuck here. But uh, So I, I first of all, shout-outs to Izzy for The Undertaker entrance. That yep. was dope as hell. Um, he's definitely uh, an entertainer um, outside of the ring. Yep. But we're going to talk uh, about okay. it in the cage. Yeah. And he has he has GSP-itis is what he has now, where he is going to play it safe and just win a safe, boring fight that doesn't take a lot of risks, that don't really try to put away his opponent, 
which is exactly what GSP did. But I think when you do it in a stand-up way, you get more heel heat for it, just like Anderson did. And I think that this Pereira fight couldn't come at a better time because he is not going to be able to do that to, to Pereira. Um, I think Pereira is a real threat. And if Izzy is just chilling and not take him as seriously as he should, which he should because he's been knocked out by Pereira before and he's lost both fights. And I went back and I watched the highlights because I've never been a K1 guy. And it, the, the second fight, both fights were, were pretty much a war. They were back and forth. But I kind of feel like Izzy doesn't have the war in him anymore. And I really feel like if someone really puts it on him, that might be it. Like, like if he's in a war like he was with, like, Kevin Gaslam, but with, like, Pereira, I think he's going out. So it's very interesting, but... I, I I really love this fight. This is probably my most anticipated fight now that I've seen this. Like it, Pereira couldn't have done any better to set himself up for this fight. And then now you have the, the two previous fights. It's like Izzy can say whatever he wants about how dominant he is or how badass he is or whatever. But this man beat you twice. And this man knocked you out cold. So I really, really love the story of this fight. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the rematch. So what what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as far as the Izzy stuff, you know, I was there live at, at his fight against Gastelum in, in Atlanta. And that was probably the best fight I've ever seen live. Yeah. Um, it, it's for me, it's either that or or Wiley Zhang versus um, Yuani and Jacek. As far as like fights I've gotten to see live, those, those are the two for me. And what's crazy is that fight was so nuts. The Gastelum and Izzy fight. Everyone forgets about how great Holloway versus Poirier was right after it. That was probably the best back-to-back fights I've ever seen on a UFC show before. Was was Gastelum versus Izzy, and then um, Holloway versus Poirier. Like that was was just crazy how good those two fights were. And now to see, you know, I was also live to see Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, which was very boring, especially right after watching Wale Zhang versus Yoni and Jacek. So yep. like, um, so I've also seen... Izzy versus Marvin Vittori wasn't very good either. That's yeah. that's where I'm sorry. It's like he's starting to get some GSPitis in this thing. And honestly, Anderson Silva kind of went through the same phase as well, where it's like it had to be certain guys that challenged him. That's true, but but I well, so with Izzy, he beat. Whitaker, the their most recent fight was a decision, also, right? He didn't finish him. I know he finished him in the first fight. Yeah, I think it um, was a decision. And he, he he did he stop Costa? I forgot because it's been so long since Costa's won a fight that like I can't even remember. But for for me, Anderson was more of like isolated. Oh, he incidents. destroyed he destroyed Costa. Yeah, but that didn't go yeah. to a decision, right? Like he finished. No, him. like first round, first or second, second round, round, maybe. Yeah. Second round, I think he destroyed him. But I think I think Anderson's stuff was a little more isolated because that's really more like his fight with Damian Maya, his fight with uh, Talis Lightis, Patrick um, Cote, Patrick Cote as well. But 
then the rest of them, then you think about like him, like head kicking uh, the front face kick to Vitor and like yep. what he did to Forrest Griffin and stuff. Yep. Just like embarrassing. I mean, just and that, and that was literally like the most next level stuff we'd seen up to that point. Like what he so was doing. Been, but it's like, we've seen a mixed bag now, like what he did to Robert Whitaker in the first fight, what he did to Costa, what he's like, yeah. he's had his moments where he's looked amazing. Yeah. Um, but he, he, to me, looks like a guy that is not trying to lose and not trying to win. And that that is concerning. And like I said, if, if I'm Pereira, I'm I'm ready, man. Like, I'm ready. To, I'm, I, I, I think this is my shot. You know what I mean? Well, let me ask you this, too, just out of curiosity. How did you score Adesanya versus Cannoneer? Four rounds to one, possibly five, to five, one. five to zero. I even, think Cannonier definitely one, won one round. It was the had... one where he finally got him up against the cage, started yeah. roughing him up some. Like, yeah, that's that's all I really gave them. Do you? But do you? This is hypothetical. But do you yeah. think that if Cannonier would have started the fight like that, like the first round was maybe kind of back and forth or whole, just a whole lot not happening, but part of the round Cannonier has Izzy up against the cage like that. I think he might have been able to steal a couple rounds with that game plan if he would have done it from round one instead of starting it in round three. Why don't we know what makes that really frustrating for someone like me? Allegedly, hypothetically speaking, um, I see I still, hypothetically, I still did okay this past weekend. Um, I was up, which was good, hypothetically. But I had a parlay going. Um, it was Jim Miller by submission. That hit. Yep. Um, yep. It was... Sean O'Malley by knockout, but that wound up being voided because, um, you know, because the eye poke. Yeah. Um, I had Bar- Brian Barbarina by um, by knockout. I think maybe even specifically to, in round two or three. Barbarina I gets really knocked out. I didn't think he was going to win that fight. I really, but it really surprised me how much Robbie was so focused on defense and not mm-hmm. offense. Like so, he just kept trying to dodge punches, but he wouldn't throw back. And then he got tired. It was over. So, so, so keeping up with that, right? Like O'Malley gets voided, even though he probably would have won by knockout. Um, Barbarina gets the knockout. What do you know? Sub. What do you know? I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a little. My point I'm is this, Doug. I'm, okay, so, I'm just saying. I just need to say this. I'm starting to get off the O'Malley hype train here. Like I, I okay. think the guy he lost round one clearly got leg kicked to death. And then he's bragging about being the only one to finish him when he finished him with an eye poke. He has a scratch cornea, so it's not like he was just making it up. And he still hasn't fought anybody. And the one guy, the two guys that he's fought now that are just decent, he has some weird injury with Cheeto Vera, and then he has this. And it's like, at some point, dude, you got to back it up. You've got to fight somebody and finish somebody legit. Yeah, well, Cheeto Vera beat him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's like he had a weird freak injury. So anytime he faces somebody that's a legit threat, he does not do well. Whatever happens. Sure. That's fair. So my point was, okay, O'Malley gets voided. I get the Barbarina knockout. I get the Jim Miller sub. If Jared Cannonier would have somehow won a decision, hypothetically speaking, I would have won like five or six grand off of like a $10 bet. Man. Man. I still came out ahead like two, a little over 200. I bet when the fight was over, you were like, I mean, maybe one or two judges might think three, two. Like, well, that's why I'm watching it going stage. like he held him up. I mean, he won one of those <laughs> rounds. It's like, man, the other rounds weren't that different. Like the, yeah. the, the fourth and the fifth. 
But anyway, those are the kind of parlays I'm talking. Now, if O'Malley would have got the knockout on top of that, it would have been even crazier because then the, it go it would have been like 21 grand. Man. <laughs> Which is crazy. So those are the kind of things to look for, y'all. Is like, you know, I put I make small bets on educated, like Jim Miller by a sub <coughs> by a sub on Donald Cerrone. Very likely scenario. Pretty good odds. Brian Barberina, Robbie Lawler. Pretty good odds for Barbarina yeah. to get the knockout. Like, yep. My good odds, I mean, likely odds, but with still with, you know, a good plus next to it. So, right. anyways, so yeah, I was on the edge of my seat watching that Cannoneer fight. And I was so pissed when I was like, dude, if he would have done this one. game plan since round one, <laughs> well, I didn't think that he won the fight. Like when when they read the decision, I was like, Izzy's gonna get the decision. But like, you know what? You know what pissed me off more than anything. Is that Vince McMahon finally sees a UFC fight, and it's this sad. is the one that he sees, and yeah. so he's like, "This is what people have been talking about. This crap." Like, yeah, I know that's what he's thinking. And yes. by the way, like, he does not give a damn. Like, it's like, hi, Mountain Public with my daughter and Triple H and Nick Khan and Pat McAfee out in Vegas. Like, you can't stop me. No, I'm living his best life d- d- despite the allegations. What's going on? Yeah. Um, we're quick, dirty. Appreciate the super chat, uh, very much so as always. Um, could we see Izzy grapple Pereira? And I've thought about this myself. I wouldn't put it out of the question because I do think there's going to be a point where Izzy is going to be losing in the stand-up battle, and then what does he decide to do? Because he has been training MMA far longer, and I, I think it would be smart. I think it'd be smart to take him down and possibly try to submit him more ground and pound or whatever. Um, if Izzy's not even putting that in his game plan at all, I think it's a bad idea. I think he should definitely be looking into doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I, I do think, I mean, I think it would be smart for Adesanya to grapple, uh, Pereira because Pereira seems one dimensional, but that yeah. one dimension he has is just, I mean, he's already knocked out Izzy with a left hook years ago in, in kickboxing and what we've seen of him in the UFC so far is just like devastating knockout power. And I don't think he has any intention of doing anything but standing. So, um, yeah, I think it'd be smart for Adesanya. I mean, I feel like Adesanya has got to be the favorite going into it, given his MMA experience and stuff. And, um, but at the same time, like, I mean, I'm very interested to see what those lines wind up being, because if Pereira is like a fa- like fairly big underdog, like I think he'd be a good guy to, I think, think it'll so. be like plus 200 to minus 120. Like, I think it'll yeah. be something like that. I don't, I, and I think as the fight gets closer, I think that it'll get more even. Yeah. But, but I don't think that he, cause he's beat him before. That's the issue. Like he's undefeated in the UFC and he's beat him before he's beat him twice in K one. Like I, I, I think that they're going to Vegas is not going to make that fight a big, he'll be a heavy underdog. This, this was my odds by the way. Plus five thousand six hundred and twenty, and I was I was a couple judges' decisions away from hitting it. Um, but yeah, so this is why people like get completely wasted in Vegas and then don't know where their car keys are or <laughs> the next day because they wind up in a room they have no idea where they got because they came this close to yeah. making a small fortune. I still wound up. I think I on on once again hypothetically, you know, allegedly, I I I think I put down seventy and wound up winning like two forty, and then I let the person who helped me out 
take a little something for, for because anyway, I don't want to get too into all that, but uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that Pereira is a massive threat to Adesanya and I I'll put it this way. I like, I'll probably take Pereira um, by the time of the fight. Um, but just crazy to think though, because this is his third UFC fight in, I mean, Izzy's been, I mean, outside of the, the Jan Blahovich loss, which was a light heavyweight, like, it's crazy that I'm thinking about taking a guy who's had three UFC fights, but the way that he's done it, and they were very smart about it too. They knew what they had in front of them and they had, they had him go in there and take out Strickland easy and yep. Strickland with that number four ranking. They, they played that perfect to get prayer yep. into a title shot. Um, so they played it perfect either way because if Strickland would have won, he built that fight up in that press conference. He was talking mad crap to Izzy. So then either way, like they, they would have been set. And so I think it was really smart business. Yeah, Pereira is the only guy on earth still out there, like calling people gay. <laughs> it's like you know what you I mean. mean Strickland. Yes, yeah, sorry, mean sorry, Strickland. Strickland. I'm so sorry. I didn't. Yes, yeah, Strickland. Yeah. In his interviews, he's just like, man, Izzy's gay. Like, man, Izzy watches. Dude, you're gay, dude. You're beating off to, to yeah. anime cartoons. Yeah, dude. just like, like hearing. It's weird hearing that in 2022, like with how. It's you like know, Beavis and Butthead come to yeah, real life. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's if Beavis and Butthead were a fighter, it would be Sean Strickland. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you, uh, 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 you beat off to anime. <laughs> that's cool, right? <laughs> he said knob. Yeah. Right. So, like, by the way, I watched the new uh, Beavis and Butthead movie on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's pretty good. I mean, it's I'll put it this way: if you liked Beavis and Butthead in the '90s, like, yeah, and you have the same expectations of like seeing pretty much the same thing that you did then, just like modernized, I think you'll like it. Which is how I looked yeah. at it when I watched it. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see that they they got like 12 new episodes or something of the show coming out too soon, which should be interesting to see how that works out. Um, Ace King Trader, I'll, I'll throw this out there too, real quick. Yeah, GCW put on like four shows this past weekend. I saw you talking about Nick Wayne in the chat earlier, Ace. I love Nick Wayne. think he's great. Future wrestling. He had a real damn good match against uh, um, Tony Deppin one of the nights too. Um, he got a win over Deppin, which is big because Deppin, you know, wrestled Mox close for the title recently. Um, so, um, but yeah, as far as UFC, man, I mean, I guess, you know, it's credit to Adesanya that he keeps retaining, retaining his title, especially against guys like Cannoneer, who you would figure would be able to, like, out-muscle him and stuff and just just can't. Um, Adesanya is deceivingly strong, um, you know, which, you know, it's interesting to see where he's at. Volkanovski, I don't know. I don't know who's next for him. Like, personally, I'd like it to be Josh Emmett, but I think there's a chance it'll be Yair if Yair beats Ortega. Um, yeah, so that could but, be, but I freaking love the featherweight division. So like any of those guys you could, you could pick, um, in like the top 10 and I'm, I'm down for it. But like my, my vote would be for Josh Emmett personally. Um, Pereira looked like a killer. Brian Barbarina. I, I love watching that guy fight. I love Robbie Lawler. Don't get me wrong, but I just saw the writing on the wall with this one. Lawler's chin's compromised. Barbarina is, a uh, he just has no chill in the octagon. Like he, he, it's like he likes getting hit, you know, and he just eventually, I just figured he would catch him, which he did. The Munoz and O'Malley fight was basically a wash, but I'll also say this about Munoz. <clears throat> People give him a lot of crap for the quitting the fight and whatnot. 
because sometimes what fighters will do is you'll even see them like the the ref or uh, the the ref or the doctor will be you know covering their eye and holding up numbers and some fighters will literally be like just guessing numbers like they'll be wrong but like they're just they want to fight so bad that they're just yeah they're not even willing to admit they can't see out of their eye um, right Munoz was doing the opposite where he was like trying to All get the DQ black. what he, he was saying he, he he poked me twice he poked me twice like he was trying yep. to get the DQ not the no contest right that said. I've uh, I've scratched my uh, my cornea before doing something very minimal, not anything close to like fighting somebody. It was like it was the equivalent of, of, of rubbing my eye the wrong way, pretty much. Yeah. And I couldn't, I could barely see or keep my eye open. I was on eye drops that numbed my eye that I had to go, I had to go to the optometrist for, and I had to sit in a dark room for almost a full week and could not work for me the scratch cornea. Because what people also don't realize is your 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 eye starts draining and basically crying nonstop. So the fluid starts going down through your nose and through your mouth constantly. So you're just like dr- waterfall draining. This I mean it's it's a miserable experience. So I don't fault Munoz because based on my own experience with something really minimal, I believe that he could not see and that he couldn't fight. Like I'm not going to ever give someone crap for, you know I I get that, but. It was anticlimactic. Donald Cerrone retired. It's yep. about time. Good, good yeah. for him. He's a UFC Hall of Famer. First and when college. he said like he doesn't love it anymore, I mean, it it, it kind of showed. Like he, yeah. I, I remember like he looked all motivated, and then he saw his kids, and he went to go talk to his kids before he went in there, and it just looked like he completely changed. Like he just wasn't the same motivated cowboy to go in there. Um, and, and real quick, I did watch his movie with Gina Carano. It was like an old school Western and, uh, it's called terror on the Prairie and he's actually her husband in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is brutal, man. It's clearly R rated. I know it's done by the daily wire, which is like run by Ben Shapiro and stuff, but, uh, like they scalp a dude's head, they stab people in the neck. Like it's very R rated Western old school movie, but it, he, it was cool kind of because they both got a leading role in it. So I, I enjoyed the movie. It's definitely like an escape. If you like Westerns, I recommend it. But uh, it was uh, it was kind of cool to see him transition to doing something else. So hopefully the acting thing works out. Because I remember him also, he was in The Equalizer, and he was a Russian. And he, got, he was like a Russian thug guy that fought uh, Denzel and died at one point. But he didn't have a lot of lines. He wasn't really used much or whatever. But like this was like a leading role for him, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, good for him. You know, and and I mean, I've never been the biggest cowboy fan, only because I always felt he was a little overhyped. Like I just never saw him on the same. I know he had a title shot at one point um, against RDA, I believe, um, and it was very, very one-sided. Um, you know, just. This is what it is. Um, but I, I respect him for what he's done for MMA and his willingness to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. There was years for when they needed a late a last second replacement fighter and Cowboy would would step in. And like I I have nothing but respect for Cowboy. I just never saw him as like a top-tier MMA fighter, but he's got a lot of wins. He's a for sure um surefire UFC Hall of Famer. I mean I'm happy that he's retiring when he is before it got like yeah. really bad on the way out. Um, and also Jessica, I retired um, yep. after her loss to Macy Barber. Um, Ian Gary is definitely a blue chip prospect. That guy is, is just m- murdering the people he's been fighting. 
even if it's by decision, he's just winning every round. Um, under your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's badass. Also, it, it really wouldn't have surprised me if Robbie Lawler would have left his gloves in the octagon as well. I like, was I expecting felt, it, like actually. That should have happened, too. Yeah. Jalen Turner, uh, John Gorman brings up. Jalen Turner. Impressive. Like these. Impressive. Yeah. 45 seconds. Uh, you're naked show. I mean, sorry. He is, he is massive for 155. Like, I don't think – I think he's going to be one of those uh, Anthony Johnsons that, like – somehow made 170 and like then all of a sudden couldn't make 185 then couldn't make 205 like i i just think he's going to be one of those guys where he's not going to be able to be 155 for a really long time so be interesting to see what they do with him yeah and, and I, this is the last thing i'll bring up about the show well actually two things real quick one i think it's possible that alexander volkanovsky uh moves up to fight charles Oliveira for the lightweight title i, I could see that happening um, but like I said, if he's going to say it featherweight, I'd like to see it be Josh Emmett. Um, and also, um, Andre Muniz beating Uriah Hall. Um, Muniz is a real problem at middleweight. I, I like him a lot. I think he's he's going to be a contender and and could potentially be a champion one day. And Uriah Hall looks like kind of a punk in his response on social media. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but Uriah Hall basically put out, um, it was like an Instagram post or something uh, after the fight. And he was like, he basically just said like he doesn't want to learn to be a well-rounded mixed martial artist and he doesn't consider guys like Muniz who just like out grapple him to like be better than he is and stuff and it's like okay dude well he is better than you and he beats you clearly and if you're not going to learn the rest of the game this is going to keep happening to you. Uriah Hall is the most hot or cold fighter I think I've ever seen in my life where he either comes in and just starches someone or it's like he just didn't even wake up that day to fight, you know, like, and, and well, then he makes like, excuses for losing and it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, it was kind of like Vitor Belfort kind of used to be like that in a way, but like, he's a different level. And then yes. with, with Uriah at this point, like it's, it's never going to get out of him. Like, this is who he is. Like his career's pr- coming close to an end and it's like, it's not going to change. Like, this is just who he is. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Uriah Hall gave us some unforgettable moments on the Ultimate Fighter. He's had some big moments in the Octagon, but like he's he's not. I mean, we know it that we've known that he's not the next Anderson Silva, like he was touted to no. be when he came in. We know we've known that for a while, but I also want to say, I mean, Andre Muniz is the real deal. Like that dude submitted Jacare a few fights ago, and I know Jacare isn't prime Jacare anymore. I get that, but like to submit Jacare is pretty outstanding no matter who you are or when well, in Jacare's career he broke his shit too <laughs> he yeah. didn't just love him like he forced him to, to be done because he broke it yeah exactly so um i thought this was a really good pay-per-view i i i really enjoyed it from top to bottom really the only snag was like the the munoz and o'malley fight not getting to finish and yep. um the main event you know you're just expecting more out of adesani at this point and uh and honestly, it takes two to tango. Cannoneer, yeah, that was his biggest opportunity of his life. And he didn't go for it enough. And that's on it him. It was way too more like way too much of him just like feeling it out, trying to learn. And then like by the third round, all of a sudden he started to feel a little bit more comfortable and pushing the pace in the fourth round. But he still never like just went for it. Like not at all. So 
Yeah, especially like he was starting like when he would get him close and get him to the clinch, he was landing closer punches. So once he closed the distance, he was actually able to land and he just didn't do it a lot. So it's what it is. Yeah, I really feel like he in I bet you the game plan going into it was what he did in the third, fourth, and fifth round. But he just like so many other fighters, he probably has I don't want to call I don't want to call it an ego because I have so much respect for a guy like Jared Cannonier. He did the opposite of what you were talking about going up in weight just now with uh with Jalen Turner. You know, he was a heavyweight that's now at middleweight. I mean, it's crazy. But I think in his mind, the first two rounds, he thought he had a chance of of landing that big knockout shot, knockout shot and knocking out Izzy. And when he realized he wasn't gonna get that done the third, fourth, and fifth round, he changed the game plan to what probably the original game plan was, which was get in close, hold them against the cage, and just try to win rounds. And he it was too little too late. By the time he changed his game plan, Izzy was already too far ahead. And also, when you're the champion, we've, we have seen champions lose like close split decisions in the past and stuff like that, but usually when you're the champion, you're getting the benefit of the doubt, and you're winning the round usually if they're close. Um, and I just assumed Adesanya was going to win most of those rounds because he is the champion. So, and he, and he earned it to be fair, but he, when a round's real close and nothing really happens, I think the nod's just going to automatically go to the champion in those kind of scenarios. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Volkanovski proved that he's just honestly, like when we're talking pound for pound right now too, Volkanovski's way up there for me. Like I, it's hard for me to think of anyone I'd put ahead of him outside of maybe, Maybe Oliveira because Oliveira stopped at everyone, but like I think it's like Oliveira, Usman, Volkanovski, and yeah. I'm not saying that in order. I'm just saying right. it's between those three. I'd that, agree. Like, those are the those three. Are the ones. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three for me too. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got. Any, any other closing thoughts on UFC or anything before we get out of here? No, the, I'll say that it was disappointing on some of the fights, but I really love the future it kept things moving we now have a clear number one contender for izzy we now know that volkanovsky is at a totally different level than max holloway so we're we're seeing more of a path of what could be coming in the future so i always appreciate that there's nothing worse than after a pay-per-view where a lot of things didn't get answered. You're still like, well, they probably need to do a rematch and that's going to set things back six months and all this stuff. Like we, we have a clear path of two divisions. So I, I appreciate that. And we saw a lot of kind of like OGs hanging up, which like I said, Don Cerrone, Jessica, I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie Lawler hangs it up soon. So a lot of new blood coming in. Yeah, and, and shout out the OG Jim Miller getting that win over yeah. the other OG Cowboys run. I love Most Jim UFC Miller. Most UFC wins in history. Yeah, that, that was the fight. I mean, whoever won that was going to have because they were tied going into it, which is wild. Yep. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, Jim Miller definitely, definitely deserves all of our respect. And, um, and there was one other thing I was going to bring up, and I might have just – oh, yeah, and also the thing with Lawler is like, We've seen how he's looked against everybody in his last like six fights, except for, you know, he beat Nick Diaz. So kind of what's that say about Nick at this point, unfortunately, it's just kind of yeah. like, it's, it's, it's hard for me to admit, but like, I mean, that Nick that we saw the last time he fought just wasn't really Nick out of Diaz. shape. Yeah. Like not at all. He wasn't in it at all, but I'll, I'll say this too about some, like, 
I kind of got that vibe too with Max Holloway with uh, with Robbie Lawler. Like, I just think after a while, when you take so many wars, like you you physically just aren't the same anymore. Like, look look at the like how much Rory and Robbie fell off just physically after that fight that they had. Like that took years off of their career. Yeah. Now, I mean, I I agree to a degree about that, but you also got to remember, man, I mean, Hallway's last two fights before this, I mean, between he had, he had Volkanovski and Volkanovski, both close decisions. And then he beat Calvin Cater and then Yair Rodriguez, who are like top tier yeah. in that division. I did. I just think Volkanovski is just that much better than everybody to be completely honest. I think Hallway it, it might be. be declining a little, but like Volkanovski arguably might not even be in his prime yet which is crazy. It could be, but man, Holloway just looks so slow and it's just not what I'm used to seeing. But I mean, you could totally be right. Like you could put him in there with somebody and then all of a sudden he just steamrolls him. It's like, well, wow, he's back. But I wouldn't necessarily be so surprised either. If like all of a sudden he starts being a lot more wars, gets hit a lot more, just not, not the same fighter. And honestly, like maybe 155 move up makes more sense because the weight cuts got to be starting to get to him as he's getting older. But we saw him lose to Dustin Poirier at 155. So I mean, I, I don't know. It, it I think the the end is more near than people think. It, and and I can't get out of my mind like how he had that slurred speech interview yes. and how they had to pull him and all that stuff. And it's like now that he's actually taking some beatings and adding to that, kind of like the Tony Ferguson thing. Like Tony was on like a 12 fight win streak and then he fell off a cliff. Like it just it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's probably if always gonna keep fighting. I don't know if it's the best idea to like have mini blessed like right there ringside. Like it's all yeah. fun and cute when like he's winning and his dad, you know, he can cheer for his dad. It's another thing when you see the look of terror on this kid's face when like his dad's getting his ass kicked, you know, it's like he's yep. kind of uncomfortable. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's probably a good a good uh spot to end the show here. Yep, for sure. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, if you can, give me a follow on Twitter. If you were new to the channel tonight, please subscribe. Hit that like button for us as always. And uh, Stephen, plug whatever you got, and we'll catch you guys next week. Yes. So uh, the next thing I got going on uh, this Thursday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, myself and Jeremy Lambert, youtube.com slash Fightful. We do the spotlight every Thursday. I'll be off next Thursday because I have to do jury duty, so that's going to be fun. Um, but, uh, but I'll be there this Thursday, nine 30. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> we have an interview. Um, uh, we, we do an interview almost every episode Um, this week. We had Samir on who is an interviewer and, uh, which is on YouTube and stuff. Really nice, really cool. Great conversation. And we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Some stuff that I saw you asking for in the chat tonight. Um, uh, we're going to be talking Hoodfoot and Cole Radrick and both of like their, have, both of them having to go to the hospital this past weekend during death matches. Uh, we're going to talk about Logan Paul more. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We talk AEW, WWE, other companies. We're actually also going to dedicate some time to the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest for the 4th of July, which American hero Joey Chestnut won again this year after not only putting down, I think this year it was 63 hot dogs. He had a, he had an off year, you know, his record is 76. Um, but he also had to like choke a dude out mid competition. Yeah. So like, yeah. and he was wearing a boot. I mean, so this guy couldn't get it. This, this was like, 
this was a year for Joey Chestnut of like just getting through it and just getting the dub, but not going for like world records, but also like beating up, you know, intruders. So I love Joey Chestnut. We're going to talk about, talk about him more on, uh, on the spotlight. So check that out. That's on Thursday. And then every Sunday I do the fightful select weekend podcast over at fightfulselect.com, uh, talking mainly indie wrestling and, and a few other things. Um, so, uh, so check that out. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at fight talk underscore. I update all my stuff there. Me and Jesse Davin are talking about trying to do a show uh, next weekend as well. Um, Cause we both had COVID and we both been out of sync and she's had stuff going on. So we're going to try to get a show in uh, next week as well. So, uh, yeah, just uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter. I keep all my stuff updated there, post links for the shows that I do and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining. Like Doug said, please hit the subscribe button. Please, please smash that like button. Uh, feel free to leave a comment. Me and Doug read all the comments after the show throughout the week, so you can put them in the comments below. If you have any super chats or anything, uh, any donations you want to send to my tip jar on Twitter throughout the week, me and Doug will open up next week's show answering anything that comes through on my Twitter. So just uh, if you send a tip to my Twitter include a question and me and Doug will address it right at the top of next week's show. And uh, yeah, we'll be here same time, same place next week, 10, 10 PM Eastern right here, youtube.com slash Tito for life. I'm Steve and that's Doug and see you next week. Later guys. Thank you for tuning in to live rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Steven Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Steven Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes.